Hello friends, it's me, your old pal Kevin. This episode of How To Wrestling was requested by Russell Kidd, one of our lovely backers over at patreon.com forward slash howtowrestling. Forgive me and forgive us, this episode is a little bit different from normal. Uh, just to give you some context, if you're not aware of the speaking out movement and the allegations and whatnot that have come out in, in recent weeks here in the world of, in recent days and weeks here in the world of wrestling in June of 2020, the first portion of this episode was recorded before the allegations and the second part has just been recorded at the end of the month here after the allegations. So there was probably around a space of a week and a half to two weeks between the two parts. And the reason that is, is because while editing the first part of the episode, which, and fair content and uh, trigger warning here, folks, there was a, a discussion about AJ Styles' homophobia over the years and... In our discussions of it, which were in light of the Black Lives Matters protests and the reaction of certain wrestlers to it, it kind of felt like the, the chat that we were having almost felt like not of the right tone in light of what everything that has happened. And having listened to that part and then record the second part where we typically come back and we have our tweets and whatnot, we end up talking about the speaking out movement how it has kind of impacted us and, and and the podcast and also how it kind of makes us kind of look at some of our discussions in a new light so all i will say is if you're expecting it to be a normal episode it is for the most part up until the break but i will say that first normal part isn't really indicative of maybe where we're at at the moment uh, just to bear it in mind when it was it was recorded it isn't your typical, like, here's some tweets about everything that's great. There's still a new episode announcement at the end. There's a very important chat that we have at the end. A lot of much-needed discussion about it. We talked about it as well on our Backlash episode, which has dropped on Patreon. And as well as that, it'll be on Joe's Q&A, where we've talked about it as well. It just felt like we couldn't record and not talk about it. And we certainly couldn't leave the first half of that episode without addressing how the world of wrestling has kind of changed in the last week. If you want to give the episode a miss and it's not for you and it doesn't seem like your thing, I totally understand that. If you want to listen to it and hear kind of our thoughts, it's some raw chat. I mean, there are raw thoughts at the end of it. And I'm sorry for going on so long at the start of the episode. It's probably the last thing you wanted to hear when clicking on here for how to. You wanted a bit of an escape. But look, we wanted to be honest with you. We wanted to be open. So with that being said, here is the episode. It's how to AJ Styles. Wrestling, the world's first podcast detailing how to wrestling, how to get interesting, how to understand wrestling, and goodness knows maybe even how to enjoy wrestling. I mean, there's some stuff out there, man. And today it is no doubt a banner episode, a phenomenal episode, as we talk about the Pitbull out of Gainesville, Georgia. The man who has charted a course mostly aerial through the hearts, minds, and souls of wrestling fans for near 20 years, if not more. Today we're talking about AJ Styles. Hope once again it's me, your old pal, Cowboy Kevin, joined as I am by the ever-inquisitive... Although I will say, today, Madame Inquisitor Joe Graham, you know a little bit about, or more than a little bit about, our topic today. I'm familiar with AJ Styles, yeah. 
he's been part of your wrestling diet for a few years. Yeah, definitely. He's yeah. In terms of like episodes we've done, I think AJ's definitely up there in terms of one of the wrestlers I've known most about comparatively to other wrestlers we've covered. Right. So you'd seen, you know, he's somebody who's on the current product. Yeah, I he's guess. on the current product. We we cover some of his matches for our pay per view reviews that come out every month. So yes. I've been following the the entire of his WWE career. Like as a, as a podcaster, right? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm I am aware of his current work. I'm not super aware of the stuff he's done in other companies. I know he's a bit of a TNA man. Yeah, and I think he worked in New Japan as well at some point. But I I think I've only seen like the odd match from TNA here and there, and like cause he's he's popped up in other episodes. He like, has. He came up in Samoa Joe. I'm pretty that sure. was a very very early one. That was way back in 2015. A very early episode. Uh, he did pop up there, and that is why we will not be doing the triple threat with Styles and Samoa Joe and Christopher Daniels, because we did it ages ago. That's how good we are in this podcast. <laughs> uh, I think he showed up in the Nakamura episode as well. Should have well done, yeah. Yeah. So, okay, AJ Styles, and forgive me, folks, he is someone who has got somewhat of a complicated discussion to have today, because I can't think of anyone we've ever had a, reas- a response to where people have been enamored and went to bat with and talk about their great passion about the man as a wrestler. But I would say, I don't know, is it fair to say equally we've gotten a similar amount or more even messages questioning the man's kind of his character, his politics, his state of mind, for lack of a better term. I think a lot of people have issue with AJ Styles the man as opposed to um, AJ Styles, the, the performer. I mean, definitely so. But I, I wouldn't say, like, the tweets, there were more people saying, oh, he's a fantastic wrestler mm. than people saying, oh, he's a homophobe. Because I think, you know, they fans of this podcast, they know our opinions on yeah. AJ Styles. I think they'd be preaching to the converted if they were going on, oh, did you know that he's a bit of a homophobe? It's like, yeah. yes, we've, we've spoken about this before. And we will speak about it on this podcast. And we will change no minds. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I think it's something which has definitely hung around with AJ his whole career. Yeah. And it's something that we will have to talk about, I think, at multiple points. What did kind of strike me about AJ Styles is that even though he is a performer who's definitely... I, I mean, is breathtaking a word, which I, I don't think I'd use that very often. But I mean, he's phenomenal. He that, that, really that's suits. a word. What does it mean, though, in wrestling, to be phenomenal? Define phenomenal. This is the definition of Wow, remarkable or exceptional, especially exceptionally good. That's better because earlier on Joe asked what what John Cena's weight was and it was like, according to YouTube, big show to John Cena, I weigh 396 pounds, you're as strong as Brock Lesnar, big cast. (laughs) It was like a riddle. (laughs) (laughs) Solve for Exa. So, okay, exception, uh, you know, Mm. very noteworthy, notable. You're someone who likes flip to dudes. Yeah. I think quite early on in this podcast, people were like, eh, Joe Graham's going to love her some AJ Styles if you like that flavor of wrestling. Yeah. But is he, is he more than just flips? Yes, he is more than just flips. He, I think when AJ joined the company is when my tastes in wrestling started to diversify. Right. I was a big flip de doo fan. And then when AJ came along, and to be fair, it's not just AJ, because I feel AJ came along around the same time as like, you know, Shinsuke Nakamura. There's an influx of this cooler style. British yeah. strong style, yeah. There was like this, all these different styles. And I think AJ, 
he's so good at all of them mm. but you get a bit of everything with aj and it's mainly flips so it's like it's very immediately impressive to someone yeah. who doesn't know much about wrestling but the fact that like you know he, you can watch any match of his and you don't really know what type of wrestling style necessarily to expect consistently yes. like you're yeah. not going to get like just flips like he will do like some really nasty strikes or some submission moves or like mat based stuff it's really funny when i was doing our research for this because like aj is someone who you know i've probably been aware about for the better part of i'd say 17 16 years thereabouts i've been watching aj styles in, in one form or another and it's funny, I, we listened back to a Young Bucks episode not that long ago, and I recall, like, kind of going, wow, like, a lot of the criticisms that are leveled at the Young Bucks in, like, 2015 was stuff that people were saying about AJ Styles his whole career. And it's like, we know it now just to be completely untrue, where yeah. if you were someone who was flippy in the kind of, in a period of wrestling when that style or being very uh, high-flying wasn't really the norm, mm-hmm. it's very easy to criticise someone by saying, oh, they don't sell, they don't, like, react to the pain of the manoeuvres, it's unrealistic, it's it's not real, it's a spot fest, is what they right. would say. Mm-hmm. Uh, a spot fest being a festival full of spots which sounds like a great time really because yeah. uh lots of people like popping spots and in wrestling i love spots i want a top spot fest yeah that'd be cool it could be sponsored by cool spot from seven up you know you could come what? along there was a there was a cool there was a cool spot at one point what's a cool spot cool spot was a uh, was a was a, <laughs> was a 90s attitude laden uh avatar he was a cool. It was a, it was a red spot who had big cool sunglasses on it. Never heard. of You this. would have heard of. Him. He was just a spot fest monkey. That was all he cared about was doing his spots and all that. Okay. So AJ, I've been surprised by the amount of people who have messaged in, mainly to tell us that AJ Styles is silly, goofy, believes in flat Earth, mm-hmm. and there seems to be three different AJ Styles that exist. There's AJ Styles, who is the breathtaking, phenomenal, as described by by Google Hive Mind. There's AJ Styles, the the idiot who's got like all of the trappings of a of a small town, small minded person mm. from from uh, way out nowhere in America, where it's like I don't believe germs exist. Yeah, the Earth ain't round. Company ale, they smell. And then there's the other AJ Styles, which is this like super religious conservative. Hey man, I don't think Obama's been born in America. Mm-hmm. Hey, can the Rock use the N word, man? You know, this is the AJ Styles who a lot of people I think suspect is the real AJ Styles. Now, obviously, AJ Styles, if you view him as being a homophobe and just that, like I under, like I'm not going to try and ever convince anyone that AJ Styles is like not ninety percent of the things that people think he is. Yeah. And here's someone, I'm, a, I'm catastrophically straight. Mm. And I say this as someone who spent his formative years at a Catholic all-boys boarding school. So I'm very sure. Yeah. <laughs> and as uh, also... There were some well, sexy boys there. <laughs> but I will say as well, having went to an all-boys boarding school, I have been pounced on and beaten the shit out of by large groups of boys calling me the homophobic slurs that AJ Styles has been using as recent as 2015 in wrestling. Oh, God, that is recent. That is recent. And whatever, if I'm sure the boys who pinned me down and punched the shit out of me because, I don't know, I ate my lunch in a really gay way, you know. Think about that. I was very straight, but I did everything in a slightly too gay way. Like, that was my mm. curse and boarding skill. So I, I'd be called that all the time. And I... I 
to say it would hurt my feelings, obviously, yeah, it was hurtful, but I was not necessarily a hate crime because they were just using that word flippantly like an idiot. Like, I'm sure everyone you know in school did and as well. me as well. Like, I would be totally lying if I was like, I have never used a slur in my life. Of you, course I fucking have. You were a teenager have. in the MySpace era. Yeah, like. I was an edgy teen, and I thought it was so cool to, like, use slurs all the time. And, you know, I want to say now, like... I am bisexual now as an adult, Mm -hmm. but I was not bisexual as a teenager. I was straight. Right. So I don't think it's like some kind of internalized like homophobia that I had against myself that was like, oh, I'm secretly, you know, conflicted with my sexuality, which is why I'm like this. I don't think that's the case. It's just a synonym for the word bad. It was a synonym for the word bad. And it's it's horrible itself. When I was like 18 years old, I remember saying to my best friend at the time, I was like, you know what? Gay is my favorite word. I just love how it just means anything bad. Like you can just use it as a synonym for anything you want. It's just... it's fun to say. And then it was like a couple of years later, I was like actually learning about sexuality and the, the historical weight of like certain slurs have behind them. And I was like, oh, wait, if you think about like this for literally one second, maybe this word that means gay, yeah. meaning all things bad. Yeah. Maybe that's problematic. A little, a little bit. Like. Just a little. No, it's, it's very shitty. And that's the thing. Because like, I think there's an important distinction to be made because lots of us, and wrestlers as well have got a history of using slurs mm-hmm. in a kind of like <laughs> we're so cool look at us using the we, f word we've done want. episodes about people that we've talked about at great length about how great they are what a leading light they are yeah. for for uh, Sami Zayn mm-hmm. uh, he's someone who's used racial slurs in a as a stupid 20 something year old uh, Kevin Owens when he was Kevin yeah. Steen and I will say most people who shared a locker room in PWG that word mm-hmm. you know Excalibur used to say it on commentary all the time um, you know there's uh, so many people who've used it it's it's a problem in wrestling but the difference with some of those p- folks yourself is included hmm. that you've obviously spent a little bit of time to think about it yeah kevin owns i know that he released a statement you know talking about specific because i think there was a one of those like wrestling lad twitters like look at kevin owns the lad back in 2010 using this slur what a lad and he like made a apology about how he's learned from it he's yeah. ashamed of it and all that and you know does that mean that it's totally okay? I'm sure that some people will say, fuck Kevin Owens, and that's fine. You yeah. know, that's their right. Like, the way I've always used it is this, is like, that word used to get used against me as a straight person. Mm-hmm. And those instances were very, very horrible. And that word meant nothing to me other than a bad word. Yeah. So, like, the fact that if that word could remind you of those situations, and then it has the added historical context yeah. or, like, and all that. Yeah, literally re-traumatize you and, like, yeah. give you flashbacks to, like, horrific things that have happened to you. Like, that's... Ah. Uh, yeah. I mean, like, it's it's fine for me now looking back on those days because I can just kind of go, oh, those are all those idiots who are using stupid fucking slur words. I don't look back and kind of go, wow, I was a subject of several hate crimes no, on a routine exactly. basis. Because the difference is they could have used, like, literally any other insult and it would have had and the same they, weight they to use some other problematic yeah, sure. insults <laughs> that were prolific in the early noughties as well. But AJ Styles ain't said diddly-boo about his repeated use of those slurs. No, and that's that's the thing. I mean, if you're using them these days oh, as yeah, well, if you're using like, these days, there's yeah. no... Ex- like, you yeah. can play- there's an element of like, oh, there's the fog of the 2000s where we didn't know what was all right. I mean, have you ever read PlayStation magazine from yeah. back then, guys? You know. But I'm not excusing that. Like, we should have known better then, too. Yeah, like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Not, not like it was right then and is, is wrong now. It's like, it was always wrong. It's just, you know... We were all stupidly uninformed and I think very ignorant and we hadn't done the work yet to understand why these things were so offensive. 
And it was thanks to, you know, some very kind, patient people who helped explain to me why these things were bad. And then also me putting in the time to do my own thinking and reflection and go, oh, okay, that would be really harmful. Maybe I should have some fucking empathy here. Mm. It's it's not as easy as just having one or the other. You can't just rely on everyone else to educate you, but you can't also, like, you can't do this by yourself. You have to have at least something to refer to to kind of open your mind up a bit and go, oh, shit, I'd never thought of it like that. Yeah. And that's the difficulty with AJ Styles. Unlike Kevin Steen, who obviously has done the work and he's come out the other side now and he's like a vocal anti-slur user now and he finds that use of those words absolutely horrific... AJ Styles has said nothing. He's very silent on the matter. And that makes me think that he's As he's probably, on most matters. Except for, like, everything else. Like, Flat Earth and video games and fucking whatever. <laughs> yeah, the important stuff. Yeah, the important stuff. So that's the trouble. I feel like if you're given the opportunity to say, look, I've made some stupid mistakes. I was ignorant. I was hateful. I was hurtful. But I'm working every day to be a better person. Mm. Then that's that's good. You shouldn't be, you know... I don't know, pushed in a hole and left to rot and forgotten well, because, if, like, you're trying. If we pushed Randy Orton... Uh, uh, exactly. Now, apples and oranges entirely here, folks. Yeah, you know, obviously. Not, not all slurs are, are equivalent and not all, you know, viewpoints are the same, you know. And, but just on the point of education yeah. and learning, the fact that Randy Orton in June of 2020 mm-hmm. has managed to be educated on the sensitive issue for him of Black Lives Mattering and he was able to have that framed within his previous, you know, lizard brain, all lives matter. Yeah, he's come a full 180 degrees. Like, I mean, I think we said in our Patreon review about, we made fun of Randy Orton saying all lives matter and blue lives matter. And he really was as like... Poster child for stupidity and ignorance. And the fact that he, like, and again, it's it's not just him on his own. I don't say it's like anyone's job to educate us on this yeah. we need to be working hard to educate well, the ourselves the only person whose job it is yeah, is, or, is the people ourselves yeah. like, even those of us who think we, we know a fair bit yeah. there's always education to be done exactly yeah. we all have Google so yes. there's really no excuse and that's the thing isn't it it's like Randy Orton he's learned and not only has he learned he's actually spoken out about the fact that he's learned yeah no I'm not saying that AJ Styles ain't learned we don't know he, he maybe maybe AJ's learned he's just never talked about it but, but that's the trouble if you don't actively apologize for your actions and work every day to rectify them then you're you may as well have not learned but yeah and also as well a I, I, bit of hyperbole there folks i don't assume that aj styles has learned because there is obviously in wrestling a lot of folks who've got different political opinions different opinions on what constitutes fairness this that and the other there's a lot of racists in wrestling there's a lot of homophobes in wrestling historically that has been the case now i feel like a lot of the wrestlers who i grew up watching as a kid have had some real fucked up opinions and are probably as a character on screen you can make arguments about them being a role model but as them as an actual human being there's different arguments to be made and i would say with regards to like aj styles and stuff like that is like if i had a kid and they were watching aj styles matches i'd be like awesome great look how fun it is look how athletic it is this is amazing stuff but then if he turns out and says Hey, Dad, AJ Styles is going to be doing a two-hour live stream on Mixer. I'd be like, no. 
Like, so son AJ Styles. He is. He's been so influenced, Joe. He's become AJ Styles as well, which is ridiculous. And he's also your son as oh, well no. now. That's that's the terrible thing about it. We're such bad parents. But in the same respect, if as a kid my mum saw me watching Steve Austin break up a couple of black weddings mm. and kind of think, all right, there's something he's watched on telly. But then I turned around and said, Mum, I'm going to go for a fucking two-hour live stream where Stone Cold Steve Austin's going to give me his thoughts on literally anything. Mm. She'd probably be right to sound the alarm bell. But do you think she would have done? Because I don't think... <laughs> like, the average parents, I don't think, are... Like, I, we are... Um, an anomaly in that we are very educated on the politics of the wrestlers involved yeah, in the show. Yeah, that's true. Whereas, Whereas I don't think your parents no. would have, you know, how, they don't read dirt sheets. It wasn't even like it exists in the form it does today. When I was a teacher, one of my bosses, he had like a 13-year-old and an 11-year-old and they were allowed to have Instagram, but he had access to the account. So every time they followed someone and every time they got followed back, he had to approve it. Yeah, that's a good good lesson. Yeah. And I was like, all right, if, if I could have that with wrestlers. Because yeah. here's the thing, though. It's not a, a similar... It's, not, it's false equivalence to some extent because the level of access to the personal minds, thoughts and hearts and souls of wrestlers now compared to back yeah, then... it just did not exist did not then. exist. I mean, even today, like even though Stone Cold Steve Austin has a podcast... You just, don't know shit about his thoughts anything. on loads of things. Yeah, I you mean, ain't going to talk about Deborah anytime no. soon, folks. I mean, we know that The Undertaker is all like, all lives matter and stuff, but that's because like they've just released a documentary series like for the first time in his career ever. Yeah. Like, wrestling is such a soundproofed industry I want to say or it like, historically has been at least yeah I don't think it is now but some people still treat it as way for instance Brock Lesnar who we Ugh. know for a definite fact is a homophobe yeah we and, also, and the hateful type of homophobe yeah like really nasty to yeah. the point where it's known that Lesnar has literally told WWE management don't put me on media calls because God knows what I'll say yeah AJ Styles seems to be the other brand of that where it's like hey man I've got some thoughts and some stuff, but I'm just not going to talk about it. Except he does sometimes. It comes out sometimes. Like when WWE decided it's a good idea. We talked about this in 2018 when he was feuding with Daniel Bryan. They thought, let's put face AJ Styles on the fucking Crowder podcast with the right-wing racist provocateur and have him talk about the Gillette ads. And that was was really interesting, I think, to see as well. I didn't watch all of it, but I watched a couple of clips. Mm. And... You know, I think it's easy to take something like that out of context and be like, ha ha, look at this idiot. He's such a right wing, stupid brain. And yeah, obviously AJ is a bit of an idiot and he is ignorant and he comes from a very traditional family. I think we need to talk about his childhood a bit, I think, because that's important to recognise is that like there is a cultural thing going on. There's a difference between like hateful homophobia and just like... And I'm not saying one is right and one is wrong. I'm just they saying... They both need to addressing, but... They're both addressing, but in different ways. of ignorance versus the issue of pure hate. Yeah. And I think those things, even though the effect of that might seem... Be the, the same, the same yeah. But I think the causes are probably different. And also, I think as well, it, some battles are easier to win. Whereas yeah. I think that... If someone is just, it feels to be greatly misinformed. And I know it may seem like we're just sitting here hoping that AJ Styles is just going to have someone have a chat to him like Randy Orton did and everything's no, going to be okay. I'm, but no. I don't think like that's real. I think it, the reality is though, is that there are some people who are possibly 
more easy to talk to about this. But I think what we've definitely learned from watching a lot of stuff with AJ is that confronting ignorance with straight up criticism and anger doesn't necessarily lead to that person being enlightened. I think it's just difficult when I think a lot of these lessons that we give people in terms of things like racism and homophobia and misogyny and stuff, it comes from this presumption of like a baseline understanding of the subject matter. And I think when you come in with that kind of presumption of, oh, you already know this, this and this, then you can come across quite critical. It's yeah. like, but why don't you know Or this? that we're just simply incompatible. Yeah. Like this person just from a whole, I, I can't talk to them. But the truth is, is that, you know, we all, we're all different. We all come from different, we all have different access to education. And we all learn in different resources. ways and different yeah. speeds. I can tell you that for and sure. Of yeah. Of course we all have access to Google, but not everyone has the access to kind of use critical thinking. To yeah. be able to think of a subject matter and look at it from different angles, to look at someone else's life and go, how is that different to what I've experienced? Like, there's a, an element of critical thinking which isn't taught in schools, and some people just don't have. And like, I think- when I was a teacher, every kid, like, the, ki- the kids had their phones, and I, I the rule was that they weren't meant to have phones, but I would say, like, there were certain classes where I would let them have their phone because I would do, like, research-led yeah. things because I, uh, I taught science. And I would say, right, well, everyone's got access to Google. And I would make the assumption, well, if they all have access to Google and they're all, like, doing their GCSEs, they should all know the basics of how to search for things. And they didn't. No. You know, and that, then I had to do lessons to teach them how to teach themselves type of thing, you know. And it, there is, yeah, there's so many assumptions that go in about uh, And when you get the subject matter gets a bit more sensitive. And also with AJ Styles, when those lines get blurred between, this ain't just something I'm thinking about, like politics. This is my God I'm talking about. And this is something that AJ Styles has said over and over again in his life. God first, family second. And you know how much he fucking loves his family. Like they are number one, the most important thing after God. Oh, what, what, how can you tell with AJ Styles, Joe, that the family is an important part of, of the of the whole whole thing? Well, for one, he's got all of his kids' initials and birth dates on his chest. Yes, and all of his kids' initials... Are AJ. Are AJ, like him. He's Alan Jones, and all of his children have AJ as their, their names. Well, these four children now, three... three boys and one daughter imagine the male in that household how confusing that would be i bet he's got a little little crown that he makes him <laughs> the heir to the throne man i mean with it with aj i think we have to talk about his background because i feel like we're reaching the point now where we're talking a lot about the kind of the, the critique and stuff that's leveled at him and for me like that's often been an issue with aj so that it feels like you can't see the forest from the trees because it's like you want to have a discussion about aj styles as a person then someone says the guy community mm. And because it's a meme, that's the be-all and end-all. I f- hope we can get to a level of discussion beyond the fact that AJ Styles reactionary said a very funny and somewhat revealing thing yeah. nearly fucking 20 years ago. And hey, I definitely played my part in making that a meme as oh, well. Oh, yes, you did. So, you know, Kevin over here in the Outshare podcast with the Glad Gay community, we certainly took the fucking discussion around <laughs> AJ Styles down a few notches. Because very easy, you can be someone who's like, I don't think AJ Styles is a homophobe. Why is he a homophobe? And you'd be like, well, get this the guy community and the person's like well how does that make him a yeah. home? you know aj grew up on like a lot of wrestlers we've talked about uh, he grew up not watching wrestling really not not a fan watching wrestling growing up he so hang on i mean i'm just trying to think like how old is he like what era of wrestling would he have watched if aj he had been watching? would have probably been growing up in He's like 40-something. AJ would have been growing up in the early 80s as So, like, kid. kind of Bret Hart would have been... No, it would have been... Like, what would oh, have been Hogan. on WWE would have been Hogan, Savage, 
Ultimate Warrior. Maybe that's why he's such a good wrestler, is because he didn't watch any of the and, bad wrestling of the 80s. But in the 80s, the NWA, you had Ric Flair, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, True. you know, the, the Four Horsemen, you know, all this great stuff going on there as well. So, like, AJ, I've watched a lot of interviews with AJ over the years, and I had to rewatch some stuff just to kind of re-familiarize myself. But, yeah, AJ grew up, he grew up originally on a Marine base. His dad was part of the Marines. And then he moved to Gainesville when he was, like, one or two years old. He lived in Gainesville, Georgia, pretty much his, his whole life. Okay. And he grew up poor, and that was why he did not watch wrestling. Like, it's not like kind of, ah, we didn't watch it, it wasn't on. It's like, we didn't have TV most of the time. Or when we did have TV, we had, like, you know, a crappy little homemade aerial where sometimes he got to watch a little bit of Georgia Championship Wrestling, the locals, the, the locals seemed like it. So his dad wasn't a Marine his whole childhood then? No, he, he was not. And the stories about his dad, there's a, not much said... But he did specifically say in earlier interviews, I found that the dad did drink and the dad routinely beat his mom and the the kids. Oh, God. But, and again, this is like, I couldn't tell you why he'd say this, but he's went out of his way in several of his interviews to say, but I know my dad loved me and, yeah. I, and I loved him. Well, you know what? I, I can't speak on behalf of abuse survivors, but I think it's... Um... It's really hard to not only acknowledge that you've been abused, but also I think that's even harder to say that my parents didn't love me. Like, there's something reassuring to say, you know, maybe that's how they deal with their issues, but I know they love me. And that's yeah. okay, I think. It's your place as, a, as an abuse survivor to say. I think that's a very important part of, obviously, AJ's psyche or persona. And like, kind of, I feel that very often we, we kind of forget to even ask kind of basic questions about like people's upbringing and things like that mm. oftentimes and uh, it's very shocking to me how often abuse comes up on this podcast when we're talking about yeah. people's early days so yeah it's super religious though that was the, a big thing with the family like uh, he was super religious but he claimed this was something that wasn't put into him by his parents this was something he arrived at his own conclusion when he was in high school oh that actually makes a lot of sense oh yeah in what, what sense well, I think, and again, I feel really awkward talking about this because I'm not religious in the slightest. I'm massively agnostic. Well, I was raised, uh, I was raised lax Roman Catholic and went to a strict Catholic all boys boarding school. So, like, I kind of, I will understand on on paper at least. Yeah, maybe some of the the. It reasoning. just seems to me, from what I've seen, when you're raised religious, you go of one or two ways. You either like are raised in a very wholesome, healthy kind of religious environment and it's you see all the positives that religion can bring to a community and it becomes a very important part of your 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 life, your society, your community, your family mm. or you can rebel against it. <laughs> and it <laughs> seems <laughs> Oh, guess what Kevin and the NWO did over here. <laughs> but it also seems to kind of go the other way around. Like I was my friend growing up was the daughter of a vicar. Right. So I spent all my spare time like in church and Sunday school, like hanging out with the church community, even though the vicar himself was like, You don't have to be religious, you don't have to be Christian, you just come along. Just be And a- you're like, come off at Vicar, where are the three <laughs> dinners? I've seen the Vicar of Dibley <laughs> Christmas special. No, he was great and he was just like, Look, if if you represent Christian values as in be good to people, be a good neighbour, you know, love people. And I don't have to go to Mass? <laughs> no, I didn't have to go to Mass. That, that, there was all, it felt like any, any discussion about, <laughs> like for, for me as a Roman Catholic growing up, any discussion about anything like that always just felt like a negotiation to like, I don't have to go, I don't have to go to Rosary. Like, right. Some sort of, I don't, don't have to, don't, can I have Sunday back please? Mine was the opposite because it was like, <laughs> you get to go on fun trips with the church because they were always doing fun stuff. Right, I see. But yeah, I think it can kind of work the other way around in that if you are not raised religiously, I think sometimes 
you know, finding God can be incredibly empowering. Yeah. Especially if you've had a really tough upbringing. If you felt lost anyway, yeah. and you feel like there's things lacking. I, I certainly know that, really, like, I'm not going to be Vince McMahon the heel in 2006 who sees people being brought, like, calm and spirituality by this newfound love of God. I hate it. I want to, I want to crush it. I want Destroy, more. I want yeah. more. You know, I'm, I'm not going to go and fight God with Joe in a handicap match. A backlash, okay? That's not happening here. If, if, religion and god brings you a sense of calm and purpose and all that i'm i'm, I'm so happy for you I'm, yeah. I'm i'm delighted it's it's great because i myself have seen many people had many teachers many friends who felt strong about the religion and it helped them more power to them i also had a lot of enemies a lot of dickheads who tried to use their religion as a stick to beat people over the head with and they can go fuck themselves yeah but what i will say is this is that the gossamer thin armor of he's religious so he's allowed to think homosexuality is wrong which dissolves upon contact with the air of living in the world like i had so many conversations with religion teachers who were very nice and very well spoken and very friendly and maybe because i was not gay that and we were talking about hypotheticals Mm. that that led into or very friendly conversations about it but they would look at me smiling go i no ill will against it absolutely fine but but it is a sin you will go to hell and you could think that in the privacy of your own home and in the privacy of your own head, but that doesn't change the fact that if a gay person yeah. is thinking, this person thinks fundamentally my existence is, is, a, pro- sin. is yeah. a sin. That fucking sucks. Yeah, that's not like a <laughs> agree to disagree subject. No. That's not like, let's agree that our favourite movie is Die Hard, but yours isn't. Look, like... let's just agree that Die Hard's a Christmas movie and your life is invalid, okay? <laughs> let's just agree to disagree, okay? Your existence is a sin and Die Hard's the best Christmas movie. So, yeah, AJ has very, very strong Christian beliefs, even in the large realm of Christianity and wrestling. Because unlike a lot of Christians we have in wrestling, he's not born again. Yeah. He, he is like born. He like he, he well, is. You know, except he discovered it in high school. So. I guess he discovered it himself. But when I say in wrestling, I mean like AJ Styles didn't have a successful wrestling career. Fuck it all up. Yeah. Get handed, you know, by personal demons, and then with the assistance of God and a church managed to find their way, which has been the way for most born-again Christians in wrestling. But it might have been that, you know, his home life was extremely traumatic. It was, you know, horrible to be there. He had an abusive father. And that maybe one of the play- few places that he actually felt welcomed and accepted was his local church, yeah. where there is a community. Yeah, you, you people... describing the community around the church so was like, what? This thing? Oh, no, it's honestly, it's like, and that was like, I think if 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 there had been if the vicar had been more pushy into pushing me into like Christianity, I probably would have do- become a Christian. Because you love faith. Just because I love yeah, I love community. <laughs> I love like getting involved with my societies and stuff. But like honestly, I think that's like such an important part of like re- organized religion mm. is this idea of like you know even if you're not welcomed at home, you've you, a place. You've a place, yeah, yeah. which is again why it's so hurtful that then they dare say homosexuality is a sin like fuck you I just, also yeah, I, I think like the the way to convince oneself that it's okay that aj styles isn't on live stream saying i think homosexuality is a sin and he's at home thinking of that privately instead or teaching his kids that yeah like i don't understand why that's okay for some people mm. the fact that aj styles is not like kind of spreading the fucking gospel let's just say you know yeah. in a very very public vocal way I don't know if that makes up for the fact that he is still someone who is in a very, very, very high-profile 
kid's fucking hero position. Yeah. And I just think anytime someone who is in that position, I feel we owe it to our kids to have a little higher standard for yeah. them. Because guess what, folks? Them young ones, if you think we're bad, <laughs> whoa, wait till you get a load of the next generation because they, they know how to find all sorts of shit. Oh yeah, they really know how to use Google. They'll listen to every episode of Talk and Shop and they'll ask even harder questions when in 20 years' time, AJ Styles is considered nostalgic and some of you, uh, and our children are starting podcasts about how great <laughs> it was growing up watching AJ Styles. I'm just saying, it's like, you know... I don't think it's as, uh, a free ride that AJ gets. His I don't think the Christianity is like the kind of a no, it's okay. And and I think as a someone who was never religious in you and someone who's bre- brought up very much in the heart of religion, mm. I think we can say that from somewhat of a position of knowing what we're talking about. I I don't I I don't feel comfortable saying I know what I'm talking about personally, mm. just because I feel. You know, I feel like I could have more of a go at them than you could, maybe. Yeah, you can. <laughs> I mean, I might throw some scripture at them. Like, I will. You know. I will say on the subject of the whole homosexuality being a sin thing, it kind of can come back to the whole do your research because, like, originally, fun fact, uh, it never said in the Bible that homosexuality was oh, a no. sin. It said that paedophilia was a sin, and they translated it and changed it to homosexuality so that they could have someone else to point the finger at. Because a lot of people high up in the church are paedophiles. Yeah. So it was easier for them to go look at those homosexuals, aren't well, they? Well, Joe, I remember having this discussion in religion class and being told, look, if you looked at any profession, let's take plumbing, and we looked at, oh, there'd be some high-profile paedophile plumbers, obviously. <laughs> so that means it's okay. Yeah, I mean, it's okay. So, yeah, I not with a... Going into the absolute fucking nuts and bolts of every creed and code of, of the Christian faith. But that is a big part of AJ. And many respects, even though he had a, a troubled childhood, he has a somewhat very idyllic kind of school life. I mean, he meets his high school sweetheart, Wendy, who he married in the year two. Like, Wendy's been his, his squeeze since they were in, like, you know, fourth or fifth grade. Aww. You know, married, have four kids with them. You know, the, the hometown boy. You know, that's... As idyllic as it gets, you know, he has he has been blessed, I'm sure he'll say in, in, in his own words. So he finds himself leaving school, having excelled at all sorts of sports, notably not wrestling because it was just like too much hassle for him. It, it wasn't something that clicked with him, but he was standout and you know, he played football, he played athletics, he played basketball. So he was a very athletic kid. He goes to university, not with any great aspirations in mind other than, well, going to university on a, I believe he was going on a, on a sports scholarship right. to train to be a PE teacher. He was there. <laughs> I know, right? Oh, he's such a PE teacher. He's oh my big, God. Big PE teacher enemy. Can he, you imagine? He seems like the type of PE teacher I had to tap on the shoulders. Can you stop telling all the bullies they're allowed to be bullies in class? And please never use the phrase boys will be boys in my classroom uh... ever again, please. Yeah, um, PE teachers, you thought they were bad when you were a student. They're even worse when you're a teacher. But yeah, AJ Styles, he's got big drop and give me 20 vibes, huh? Yeah. Everybody's got to climb the rope, man. If you can't climb the rope, I guess you ain't graduating, man. I can just imagine AJ Styles being your PE teacher and you trying to like <laughs> just like debate them lightly in a subject that you know that they disagree with you with and then they just put you in detention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much like, you know. So, AJ Styles, who avoided being a PE teacher and being surrounded by loads of orbs and balls for the rest of his days, which would have brought up some pretty awkward questions at one point or another, decides not for him. He drops out, heads back to Gainesville, 
just working regular jobs, did a bit of construction, couple of months, not much doing. His friends were like, hey man, let's go to the local wrestling show. They did. And he's there and he's like, literally in his own words, I was so close to the ring, man, I thought, I might as well go in and do some stuff. And he, you know, after the show, much like with Edge and Christian, you know, just popped in, ran the ropes, did a few things. He's like, huh, I will become a wrestler now. What? That's it. Oh my god! Watched gosh. a bit of GCW back in the day, and this is what I love so much about AJ. Really, as as the the performer and the fact that he's such an, an auteur. How many times you hear AJ? He's the new Ric Flair. The new he's the new Bret Hart. He's the new Shawn Michaels. This is a man who was unencumbered by any sort of nostalgia for wrestling growing up. Yeah, he was just super athletic. Got into it, excelled, and was like. Yeah, all right, I'll do it. I don't agree that he's the next Ric Flair or the next Macho Man or the next... What was the other example? You said Shawn, Shawn Michaels. Michael. Or, I yeah. don't think he's like any of those. Well, Paul Heyman literally said in 2018, he's all of those people combined, synthesized and leveled up to a whole new no, ballgame. No, I disagree. And I, I think AJ is a very gifted wrestler. I think he is the most physically gifted wrestler. But that's the thing. Athletically gifted of all time. I think he's got like... He he's like got the athletics of Shawn Michaels, but better. Yeah. But he hasn't got charisma with any of those other men have. He's they got have... he's got charisma, but it's it's been a a work. Yeah, and it's not like Ric Flair, Macho Man, Shawn Michaels. They're all people who you could put on a microphone, and you'll get some absolute like some of the best promos you'll ever see. AJ Styles is not that. I mean, he's. <laughs> he's fine I think the fact that AJ is now fine and has been fine since like I think since, I think since like 2014-15 I think AJ has been fine yeah but I think the fact that AJ is fine now it makes people who grew up watching him a lot like me who watched him struggle for so long think he's great because he was really bad oh I see yeah you, you know when someone mm. is terrible and they get like I think Daniel Bryan is excellent now but I think the fact that Daniel Bryan was so bad for so long Makes me think he's even better now. Because <laughs> I'm comparing him to that guy who also coincidentally was him. <laughs> right, yes. So whereas I'm actually comparing them to the people you're comparing them to. Which maybe is unfair. <laughs> yeah. I think AJ has got perhaps a mindset of like... You know, Keith Lee uses the, the phrase limitless. Mm. But I genuinely think... AJ Styles is someone who never for a second... We think he was training in 1997 is when he started. That's when the Montreal Screwjob happened. And he's immediately doing high-flying stuff that likes which no one has ever seen. Mm. Like, he, he trained for one year and then he debuted pretty much straight away for, wow. for, for the people who were training him. And all, all immediately he was using all different indies all over the South. Like, he was pretty much a big name. I'm amazed he's so flippy do given that, like, I know you said he was, like, very athletic in his youth and he did, like, basketball and football and stuff. But, like, mm. none of those things... Like, it's a very different set of skills to, like, gymnastics or, like, you know, cheerleading or something which involves flips and yeah. lots of jumps specifically. I don't know, it's so interesting. Like, how is he so bendy? I honestly think AJ has spent a lifetime practicing and owning his skills and he also is naturally incredibly gifted because I think you know naturally gifted is thrown in so much in fucking wrestling yeah. it's such a buzzword and I think naturally gifted gets you in the door right hard work and training and everything yeah. else and like you know we, we talked about it in Gail Kim episode AJ Styles is someone even though he didn't grow up with it has a 
undisputed love of wrestling. He fucking, as soon as he gets into it, he's hoovering up every little bit of wrestling he has. He's synthesizing styles. He's training other people. He's excited not just about his match, everyone's match. There's all these stories about everywhere he was, he was all like, you know, fingering all the different pies, sharing ideas. And this is like a crop of people he came up with in these indies. You're talking about like, the late 90s and early 90s this is the king of the indies era where you've got christopher daniels samoa joe you've got daniel bryan cm punk homicide you've got aj styles you've got austin aries your favorite Yay. roderick strong like you're looking at names that would become the backbone of supposedly good wrestling for like the next 10 years and now like that's the backbone of wwe now yeah so, I was wondering if you want to take any guesses at what AJ Styles' original ring name was. Oh, God. What, what would you call AJ no Styles idea. if not AJ Styles? It's impossible to imagine him not called AJ Styles. I know, right? Mr. Olympia. Oh. What a weird name. It's a horrid name. <laughs> it's so weird. That's what, like, Kurt Angle could have been called. But Mr. Not, Olympia. Not 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 AJ. Mr. Olympia is the name of the bodybuilding contest that Arnold Schwarzenegger entered. Yeah. Like, so, yeah. AJ, how would you describe you? Because we're going to talk about some young AJ matches shortly. Mm. But the original AJ Styles as compared to modern AJ Styles, kind of a different look. How, yeah. would, how would you describe young Mr. Olympia slash AJ Styles? He has big twink energy. <laughs> Like, he's, he's a very cute little young man. How ironic. <laughs> um, he, yeah, I know, right? Um, and he's handsome enough, I suppose. And he just looks very kind of like a very, like, typically white American. Yeah, I think he's very he's... much, you could look at him and go, oh, yeah, that that could be me. And not, not like, a, like <laughs> maybe to you as a white man. Because I had that exact same haircut <laughs> in 2002. But, but that's the thing, like, he's a video game protagonist. Like, he is... Ma- male hairstyle 01. Yeah, he's Default a color, please. white guy with brown hair who is very famous and known. Like, he's, I think he's a very easy person to, like, put, if you are a white man, straight mm. man, I think it's easy enough to kind of insert your identity onto yeah, him <laughs> i do it all the time it's great like yeah. i was in sin city last week it was great wow. fun all the title characters i played i think there's always that theory in wrestling we talked about in our goldberg episode that if you look like someone that i could look in my row and and uh, in the wrestling show and i can see similarities that that's bad like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna part with my money to go and see someone wrestle who looks just like a normal guy but i think the fact that aj looks kind of like a normal guy and also he can do super duper 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 extraordinarily crazy things. Yeah. I almost think that makes him more spectacular, whether he realizes it or not. Like he looks very plain in the early days. Yeah, I, I certainly think it's played to his advantage. Like if you think of other wrestlers who are as gifted mm. as him, like they're all either like women or they're from minority groups, like they're black or... I, I can think of two people... Who I could put forward and say, I think they're as athletic as AJ Styles or as, or as gifted naturally yeah. and have anywhere near the mindset that AJ Styles does. And I think it's like Ricochet and Casey Catanzaro. I was going to add Kofi Kingston. Kofi Kingston, yeah, because definitely he has that kind of limitlessness But I would say him. he's even better because he has the charisma. Uh, but I would also say Kofi's got the asterisks of being in WWE his entire career. So I don't think he's had the opportunities no. to like do... Sure, even though he's known for doing cool, crazy things at WWE, it's not like he was AJ Styles who was out wrestling in front of 20 people yeah. doing shit. Like, 
AJ Styles is part of that crop of people that changed what wrestling is, mm. you know? And I think that's pretty impressive. Tiny little bit of a trivia I found out. AJ Styles, I was like, I wonder if he got trained by anyone famous. His trainer, Rick Michaels, his only claim to fame was that he was in WWE for one year as a tailor. Wow. I mean, that's a, I mean, that's really cool that you can move around careers like that. Yeah. So, I mean, AJ Styles, within two or three years, he has already appeared for WCW, which was in its dying days. He, what, what a place to show up at WCW after Russo and Bischoff are godlike. Wow. Great. Um, he was like, would have been part of the group that I think that, uh, what was it, Fusion Entertainment and Bischoff were going to uh, use for the new generation. He was also in the XWF, which was Hulk Hogan's federation he ran until he decided he wanted to go to WWE. And he also was in the WWA, which is the terrible Australian promotion that I've been spending too much time thinking about in lockdown. Ah. So uh, also made his way over to the UK a lot. And five months after joining WCW, the company went bankrupt. Wow. He was offered a developmental deal from WWE. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, way back then. And he turned it down. He turned it down. Why did he turn it down? Because he didn't want to move to Ohio. Okay, that's fair enough. Because he probably already had family at that point, didn't he? That was it. It was his wife. His wife was working as a teacher Mm. and he didn't want to move. And that literally changed the course of his career. Yeah, and it probably worked out for the best for him. Because I can just imagine... I mean, maybe not. Maybe in this alternate universe where he signs with WWE he becomes like a mega superstar and they push him to the sky but you know I don't necessarily think that's a good right vision <laughs> I, 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 that doesn't excite me I'd much yeah. rather the world where AJ travels around all the different companies it's so much better off yeah like he he went off and he was able to flourish and develop his style become AJ Styles and all the people, like, he was so necessary for all these other people we've talked about who were elevating themselves, yeah. you know, and he was so necessary. Like, say what you will about the company we're going to talk about a lot now, TNA, but if there was no AJ Styles, there would have been no TNA. He was the first signing of the company. Wow. He's the Howard Finkel of TNA, Joe. Wow. And as we said at the end of the Gail Kim episode, he was so supportive mm. of women's wrestling. And, like, making that company be, you know, TNA was called TNA when he first signed because tits and ass. Right. They had women in cages. Vince Russo was the head writer. It rose out of the ashes of the WWA and the XWF. You know, those grey hairs have been sporting around the house recently. Mm. Yeah, it, it wasn't necessarily a really forward-thinking, awesome place. It was a fucking bubbling swamp where he <laughs> managed to go because they were like, look, we got Vince Russo. Obviously, it's going to be great. We got, <laughs> Je- we got Jeff Jarrett and the big names. It's going to be great. We need some wrestlers. Let's get this AJ Styles guy. And then like, AJ, who do you know? Who's good? And he brought in people like, you know, Christopher Daniels. He was working at the time in Ring of Honor, working with people like Samoa Joe in those original pay-per-views. So these people are being brought into TNA because AJ is told, you work for TNA, you're a contract performer, but you're non-exclusive. So he got to continue being in the indies for the first like five or six years of being in TNA. That's a cool deal. Yeah. They should do that in all wrestling yeah, companies. Yeah, they, they really should because there's like there's no disadvantage to right? a wrestler traveling around and wrestling different, new and different people. I think that's the biggest flaw of the WWE is that it's like this little bubble of wrestling, a certain wrestling style. Now, hang on, Joe. We get other companies. We put them in bubbles as well, and then we get rid of them. <laughs> and then we 
I don't know, remove the soap? Is that, you know... Pop the bubble. Yeah, Basically, we make it so Evolve can't exist anymore, but Austin Theory is still on television. (laughs) (laughs) Now, to show that AJ was probably better off going to TNA than he was going to WWE, like, WWE in his tryout match, like, you know, he he lost his tryout match. They put him in a dark match where he lost to the Hurricane. The Hurricane, if you remember seeing on pay-per-view Classique recently in the Royal Rumble, uh, not exactly a very strongly booked character. So AJ just would have been like a kind of a cruiserweight guy, someone to lose to Tajiri, you know. So he's in TNA, he is booked as the first X-Division champion, and the X-Division will become the cornerstone of what makes TNA very special. Now, the X-Division is where we saw that original triple threat match back in the day joe and we've seen it a few times i was wondering if you could tell me what you think the x division is i have honestly no idea <laughs> is it some kind of like um mini wrestling tournament okay what like kind of like a g1 type of thing Cause yeah because it's, it's got cool letter in yeah. there the x division so joe the x division there's not weight limits there's no limits okay i don't know if you know what that means necessarily so there's no weight limits there's no weight limits so that's like normal wrestling then yes i think weight division in wrestling is the least well explained thing yeah ever especially seeing as they seemingly lie about a lot of wrestlers weights they do uh, you're very very much want to know the weights of various wrestlers all the time i'm like you'll never find out and the, it's, the problem is that you can use me when we go to live shows as like a benchmark because mm. i'm exactly two meters you know six four to six five and i kind of you can slot me against all your favorite indie wrestlers in the uk and you can be like i know how tall you really are yeah you know you are not six foot one pito but weight is a total is a total unknown yeah. the, the idea of the exhibition was meant to be you were going to see flippy do type of wrestling like the type of wrestling you would normally see in cruiserweight wrestling but not just with cruiserweight sized wrestlers so you'd see people like samoa joe okay do flippy doos or it, it i think it seems like it's a stupid point to try and explain to you now because all wrestling is this now yeah but 15 years ago it wasn't you see and that was very special for us so what 15 years ago only small wrestlers were allowed to fight small wrestlers and only big wrestlers were allowed to fight big wrestlers more or less like if you were if you're anywhere towards a main event or a high profile match you were going to be a bigger wrestler like you know traditionally vince mcmahon didn't like his smaller sized performers. Right, I see. Even though you were getting like, you know, Rey Mysterio was the exception to that rule, but we all know how that went as covered in our Rey Mysterio yeah. episode. So there's a great thing going on here with AJ Styles. He's allowed to bring in, you know, folks from all around the world because you're allowed to work part-time for TNA, work for any other indie, which means Ring of Honor is sending in loads of cool people. And that takes us to this match. The first time I believe I may have seen Samoa Joe growing up, one of the greatest goddamn matches I saw from my childhood. And I was very adamant you were going to see AJ Styles take it on your favorite boy, Samoa Joe, for the X Division title at TNA Turning Point. 2005 15 years ago so did you see this in 2005 i did wow and it blew my goddamn mind hence by the fact that when samoa joe was coming out i was like huh, look at his towel his towel's got blood on it <laughs> now you know i love me a towel and wrestling i know you love a towel yeah <laughs> yeah samoa joe he's got a disgusting gross towel mm. it's a a white towel and it's got blood on it it's gross joe it's very gross and this is why Pro tip, 
you have a special non-white towel for when you're on your period, so you don't uh. stain the white. You don't use your nice white towel, okay? Yeah. For those those days. Okay? Same with your dying hair as well. You're gonna get sick. You gotta you have know? a special period towel. Yeah. And that's what I think. You know, for one, I think it's important to have representation. I think arrested should come out with a, a special period towel. And this is why Samoa Joe, he he, and I quote, destroyed the X Division code because he <laughs> he just used he used the nice towel. You know that was yeah. what that was what the the exhibition we're going to use. That's know, the guest treat. towel. It's the guest towel that I secretly use myself. <laughs> God damn it, Joe! So were you happy to see Samoa Joe again? Oh, of course, and I'm very happy to see little young Jojo Samoa Joe. Samoa Jojo. Yeah. Why is he very Jojo in your estimation? He's got very Jojo hair here. Like he's mm. kind of got like a bit of blonde, kind of not, not quite streaks because it's very short. So it's kind of like blonde patches yeah and he's got these very beautiful jojo eyes with the long lashes like full of sparkly bits like an anime yeah and he just seems like very posy mm. in it like in as if you've not seen jojo jojo is a very like stylized anime it's very beautiful but mm. also very masculine and so i think joe has got that he's got the, he's got the beautiful masculinity beautiful, yeah exactly beautiful masculinity which also would make a great band oh, name i was gonna say a tag team name beautiful masculinity that's <laughs> fucking brilliant Ooh, i might, might ask adam and see if he wants to hit the circuit like you know <laughs> finally a gimmick i can get over so i mean if he is samoa jojo that aj styles has got to be like attack on titan yeah flipping around somewhat generic looking incredibly exciting you dig far enough and you discuss about it long enough you'll find out it is actually problematic <laughs> <laughs> and as much as you don't want it to be it is he just he might need it to be explained to you as all. Well. yeah so, <laughs> there is a special graphic at the start because it's an x division match joe it means that there's no limits but we also get the X Factors. Yeah, they had a written recap on screen that like summarized a bit of the story, and one of it, one of the lines on it was Samoa Joe has no respect for the X Division code. The X Division code, which must be adhered to at all times. They didn't really make clear what the X Division code was. So, from what I could gather, because the X Division at the time featured a lot of standout performers from Ring of Honor, I believe that the X Division code may be code for the Ring of Honor code. Right. Which is that you're to shake hands at the start of the match. You respect rope breaks. It was like, we talked a bit about, I think, in our Daniel Bryan episode, the idea of this kind of more pure form of wrestling that they weren't going to do, you know, ball shots and, you know, pull on the ropes. And it wasn't going to be about who's the sneaky baddie. It was about pure wrestling. But they were saying because Samoa Joe was so violent that he was disrespecting the X Division code. Right. My precious code. They tricked me. They tricked you? I thought... <laughs> thought there was a big AR sign. I was like, wow, <laughs> TNA in 2005 are doing what WWE are only doing now. That's amazing. And it looked Joe like Gray, a big <laughs> TNA sign and AR. It was like spinning around. Quickly, stuff. let's find some Brian Zane videos where he criticizes TNA and talk about how ahead of time they were. You should respect TNA. They had AR technology before it even existed. They, they, they schooled the 3DS so many years before it came out. No, it was just a sign. It was just a sign. And in fairness... The exact camera angle you would do if you had an AR sign. It looks so like AR. It really did. I mean, I, they yeah, they fooled me. <laughs> now, have the 15 years been kind to AJ Styles in terms of the look, the, the ring gear, the entrance? 
What did you think of a younger, 15 years younger AJ coming out here? I mean, he's a wee boy. Mm? Yeah, he's a cute little twink boy. I don't remember his ring gear jumping out at me, especially. Big, he had the big hood. Oh, he had the big hood. He's always had the big hood, has mm. he? Yeah, I mean, it looked a bit silly, to be fair. The older matches of his where it kind of like was too big and not shapely enough. Yeah, it like, was uh, formless. Yeah, like these days he's got the big hood, but I think it's been crafted really carefully, possibly by like engineers. But like, I'm amazed at AJ Styles, given that he wrestles quite a uh, high octane style. Looks fucking grand. Like he looks, he doesn't look like he's aged at all. He looks a very healthy man for someone who's in his mid forties now. The thing that surprises me is apparently he's had very few injuries. Fuck all. Like Bret Hart levels of no injuries, which is mad. Like at least with Bret Hart, he didn't wrestle a style that kind of was. Um, I don't want to say dangerous, risky. Less room for error. Yes. <laughs> and the fact that obviously he grew up, you know, he was literally from the moment he was born, he was being wrestled by bears and fathers and all mm. sorts in a dungeon. Whereas AJ, he got into this later on in life. Now AJ, he certainly hasn't hurt himself. He has hurt other wrestlers though. Ah, okay. And I think that is something that's maybe worth bearing in mind. Whereas like Bret Hart had a super safe style that protected both him and his opponent. AJ Styles has a style that can be worked safely. However, it's you know it is high it is high risk and it's high risk for both. No more so than his finishing move, one of my all time fave moves. That it only until it went wrong I realized how dangerous it was. The Styles Clash, right? Where you pick someone up for like almost like a pile driver, where they're picked upside down and you've got your hands around their waist and their legs are going up by your head and you hook their arms over your legs and you fall face forward. Yeah. So their face, chest, stomach, <laughs> groin all comes face into contact with the mat. With with the opponent on top of you. Yes. So you're kind of squashed. Kind of scary. Oh, really scary. I think out of all the wrestling moves that exist, that's the one I would least like to receive. And much like another move that looks killer and is actually killer but you wouldn't realize it because everyone takes it super safely always the pedigree from triple h where again you are being placed down with your arms away you're, you're prone being slammed straight into mat with someone's weight on top of you now what's happened a few times with aj stalls i remember happened to stevie richards who's someone we would have maybe seen very briefly on, on an ecw episode but I remember him once doing it in TNA where he did the Styles Clash and Stevie didn't duck his head in time. And literally you could see his head bend yeah. with his body as he was being landed. Like prone, head out, just horrible. So AJ has got some pretty high octane moves and they have injured some people. And I think he hasn't beaten with the stick of like, oh, well, it's dangerous, so we shouldn't be doing it. But if you think really about what AJ does and how safe he has been... I think he has to be considered one of the safest wrestlers to work a style like this ever. Oh, really? Because he's just, he's, how many times were you watching stuff where you're like, look how late he's tucked his head in. Like, he's mm. literally tempting fate here. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it is quite a risk. It seems very risky, yet he seems so confident and in control always. Yeah, I mean, as always, I feel really, like, silly even talking about this because I don't know what I'm talking about. But yes, it looks to me, as someone who doesn't really know anything about wrestling hand has never wrestled in their life it looks very scary like he does he leaves it to the very last second to tuck his head underneath mm. when he does things like the styles clash or any move involving his neck there's a, there's a move very early on this match which we were like oh and i think every single match we've watched including all the extra bonus viewing we have simply seen the spot which oh which is where he does them shot off against the ropes and he does the big drop kick where he whacks him and then he flips right back and yeah. he lands right on the ground and every time he did it we were like what 
and every time it looked like he was going to kill himself. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, I mean, that's pretty... I, I don't think I can say just because something looks scary that therefore it is scary. It probably is that AJ is so confident in doing these moves that there's no risk factor at all. But I imagine it's thinking like that that gets you injured. Yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> guessing so. And then you, you see some moves which look like the most boring, simple thing that looks like something I could do. And it's mm. like, oh no, it's really dangerous. It ended the career of like this legend. It's like, you just, you don't know. Yeah. I think even wrestlers don't know a lot of the time, you know, until, until an injury happens and it's too late. So you have always been very upfront about your love of flips. Mm. Something that's been a more recent development in the podcast that you're, you've been enjoying is selling and those who are actually quite good at selling and it struck me as quite odd that AJ was someone I remember being being said a lot like oh he doesn't sell because you know he does all these crazy moves and he just gets up and he does a big flippy dip or whatever but I was really impressed by his uh his selling in in the matches that we watched yes me too I don't know what it is about AJ that makes him quite sympathetic when he's being beaten up Hmm. is he incorporating the flips into the cell is that it I mean, he definitely does. Like, I'm thinking of, like, the match we watched with Samoa Joe here. There's a moment where Joe gives him an arm strike or something. And then AJ just, like, does, like, a backwards somersault. It's, like, it's so silly and over the top. There's a part where Joe kicked his legs out from underneath him. Oh, God. Whoa! And, like, he does. He, like, he uses his flippiness to accentuate his selling, which I really like. But it's not just that. Because, like, that alone wouldn't be enough. That's not selling. That's just, like... I don't know. I'm sure, like, The Rock, for example, I think you could argue doesn't sell, but does do that. Yeah, whole... he does the big silly flip. Yeah. But your main takeaway is, look at that silly flip. It wasn't, wow, he hit him super hard. Yeah. Whereas AJ, I think a lot of times, particularly, like, again, yeah, in, in match series against bigger opponents, he uses his athleticism to make you kind of go, Jesus. Yeah, what big impact that was. And then he has the facial expression yeah. to match. Like, even though I don't think of AJ Styles as being, like, particularly charismatic or good on the microphone or anything, like... I historically always thought that was the same skill as like convincing selling, but it's not. Mm, it's a no. very different skill. And that's evidenced by the fact that I think AJ is very good at this style of emotive selling. But like, I think if he was given a microphone then and tried to like yeah. t- talk that through, mm. I'm not sure he could. We've often picked up with the bugbear someone who's very verbose in the ring and that's not reflected Yeah, you know, on the microphone or, or whatever. Or they're, they're very verbose you know, uh, all the time they're talking on the mic, but when it gets into the ring, they're quite quiet. And mm. that was a criticism with Edge, that he was very mouthy and then not very mouthy when they wrestled. So you think AJ is like the first to the opposite of the case where he seems very charismatic and at home in the ring without a microphone, but he can't back translate that. It's not even necessarily that because it's not like he's being mouthy in the ring. He's mm. not. Instead, it's more like he's able to act through his body, but yeah. not through his brain <laughs> it's because, uh, is, it, is it like he does things like a Ric Flair flop type of is that it like he falls no. in ways that are, are novel or something I mean kind of I mean, I'd say it's more like Shawn Michaels in that match against Hulk Hogan like he's just really over the top silly like but like not in a way that's like making fun of anyone or burying someone it's just literally like I'm gonna make you look fucking awesome yeah. and like there's a match that we watched ages ago and then again today which is him against John Cena and when you've got someone who's so big and again it shows well in this match because Samoa Joe is a big boy it's just it's so impactful yeah. seeing someone slight and small like AJ just going spinning off into the sky like Team Rocket blasting off again like. it, it is 
absolutely incredible. And even if you're very familiar with these men, I would say, you know, this is available for free on the Impact Wrestling YouTube channel. Seek it out because they're yeah. so, like, it's both men. It's like black tar heroin versions of both men. Like, it's S-star versions. When Samoa Joe picks up AJ and he spins him into the barricade. Oh, Jesus. It's actually a move I believe we saw in the Gail Kim episode. It's funny to see stuff that yeah, both of them right. were doing. Oh yeah. my God, you're totally, totally right. Yeah, Smojo literally swung AJ into the metal barricade and like smashed AJ's head into yeah. it. There was a lot of stuff in this match, which I kind of felt, I don't know how, like I asked you when we were watching, I was like, is this a wrestling match or are they beating the shit out of each other? Because it looks to me, <laughs> as someone who doesn't really know any better, it looks like they're just beating each other up. Like it sounds that way too. Like there's a lot of like smacks. And they're doing their job very well then. Very convincingly. But I then mean, I know sometimes when I watch matches like that, it's because yeah, they're actually beating the shit out of each other. And other times it's because they're very good professional wrestlers. Well, from my experience in watching wrestling, when wrestlers decide that they legitimately hate each other and want to beat the shit out of each other, or, or is more often the case, one wrestler decides that they don't like the other and they decide they want to beat the shit out of them it doesn't make for a lot of very entertaining stuff here but what you do have in this instance in this match is those cases where two guys are really 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 good at making you think they're beating the shit out of each other and yes there happens to be a few errant strikes when they get a little bit too into it because AJ does get busted up in the mouth here yes Joe's like you know he's got a few grazes and like they look like they've been through a bit of a war and I think with wrestlers like this they're happy to like yeah fine you know slap me on my chest I don't mind if I burst blood vessels if, you know it's only my chest like it'll be fine it's I'm not going to stop me from wrestling tomorrow mm. so they'll let they'll that's that's where you're seeing some of that Japanese style because you turned to me at this match and you were like is this a strong style match or is this like a, a lucha match and I was like uh it's all of those things and we talk about how you know, the WWE style is like this synthesized style now where you get a bit of that groundwork from Europe, a lot of submissions. You see the strong strikes, the fighting spirit stuff from Japan. You see the acrobatics of Mexico. And then you see uh, you know, the, the, the morality play of American wrestling. As Chris Hero really beautifully mm. put this together. God damn, if you're not seeing this here in 2005, I think this is maybe what the X Division is. It's taking all that stuff from around the world and making a super fun, cool match out of it. Yeah. So I actually have two top spots in this match. Whoa, Joe. My first top spot is AJ Styles standing on the apron and Joe just fucking kicking his leg out of his leg. That's the (laughs) only way I know how to describe this. He flipped upside down and it was incredible. It just looked just horrible and amazing and it was so impressive. I can't begin to state how much I'm realising that this match is like so responsible for like my entire non-WWE fandom. Because yeah. I was watching TNA for around a year at this point, but like this match, I think what's special about this is this didn't just get me into TNA, this got me into Ring of Honor. Because wow. you know, you're watching the wrestling channel back in the day in the UK and it'd be like, you'd see Ring of Honor would be advertised, but I'm like, I'm not going to watch that. It's a dusty old weird looking show. And then I see this and it's like, these guys are from Ring of Honor. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I'm going to go watch that then. Yeah. My other top spot was the moment where Samoa Joe swung AJ into the metal barricade. That was absolutely disgusting. I do feel a bit bad because... 
both of my top spots were within like 30 seconds of each other and both of them were Samoa Joe beating up AJ Styles and this is an AJ Styles episode that's true and <laughs> I think you were so entertained by the match I think there was a moment where you were like worried about like is this just, is this too much Samoa Joe because I mean the story of the match is Samoa Joe is like he's been undefeated for six months he hasn't been beaten yet in TNA he's a scary outsider they've brought in AJ's the champ he's the best the company has to offer for the X Division and everything AJ tries doesn't work he keeps getting countered and beaten up and all that and yeah it is tired brain would say that means it's just Samoa Joe mm. you know the, the enlightened more wired brain from or the, the galaxy brain or the galaxy brain which is when you're on your period and you have galaxy chocolate yeah. and it makes you feel a lot better <laughs> that that brain is telling you that it's it's both because I've seen Samoa Joe beat up a lot of people and it'd be boring yeah that's true you know and I've seen AJ Styles be beat up a lot and it'd be boring as well yeah, yeah. so these two guys have got a very fucking special connection they just work beautifully together they really do like it's not often I watch a match and I get the feeling that two competitors are friends but I really do get that feeling that AJ Styles and Samoa yeah. Joe even though obviously I think they come from very different backgrounds I yeah. just feel like they have this respect for each other professionally and I kind of feel like I could watch this match and turn and go they there's an argument to be made for writing down everything you're going to do in a match. Or I could turn and go, there's an argument to be made for just doing it all on the fly. And feel, you know, I couldn't tell you if they, how, what was planned and what wasn't. Yeah, it it no just felt idea. so like an organic yeah. fight. The moment where AJ Styles did something that I'd previously seen 15 years ago, but I swore to myself 15 years later was impossible, was it was the weird running moonsault. Ah, uh, yeah, I've got that as a note. Yeah, I, I wasn't even a top spot because I think I was in so much shock. I didn't, I just couldn't even type it anymore. I think in I just... the same way, a book that you used to do a book report about can't be your favorite book yeah. because it's, you spent too much time analyzing. Exactly. It. We spent a long time looking about this. He ran forwards and jumped over the top rope but on his sideways right he was sideways was he sideways he, he, he managed to jump sideways but forwards no he managed to do a backflip like which a moonsault which is also backwards while moving forwards which is like I don't understand how you do that because like surely doing a like a moonsault or a backflip or something it pushes that like your momentum is the opposite direction from forwards and yet he was able to not only travel forwards but travel upwards and forwards over a top rope and then clear the top rope and land perfectly on Samoa Joe it, and safely as well mind yeah. yeah it was it was incredible and I've spent many times in my in my uh, sometimes I get these weird anxiety dreams where I think I'm gonna like, fall off a very high place and, like, and sometimes I in those dreams I'm like oh took took the legs there make sure you don't hit the rope or anything like that the weird thing about it was that I spent a lot of time trying to thinking about hypothetically what it would be like to do some a flip like this and thinking in my head what it would I mean I've rolled down hills before right <laughs> uh, I I've rolled backwards by mistake and then we were watching Jackass last night you mm. we were you were watching Jackass like the first time we've been watching it uh, recently and there was a part where they're doing a loop to loop on the skateboard and Tony Hawk is like explaining to someone you can hear and he's like and when you're going through just follow through like a roller coaster way it's one big long loop and you don't even feel like you're upside down you don't even know when you're upside down like oh that helps I'm like how does that help <laughs> not knowing when you're upside down and so that's when we think like look don't try and empathise or understand the fucking star people who can do backflips and moonsaults because it's just not you, Kevin. It's not for you to empathise with or understand. I mean, the closest I can get to relating to this is I had a trampoline growing up and me and my brother spent a lot of time on it and I can do a backward somersault on a trampoline. Okay. I well, now you say, when, when did you last okay, do Okay, fair enough. Like, nearly 20 years ago. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's just always worth to bear those in mind. But... but even still, I, I I don't understand how you how you jump forwards over a rope <laughs> while jumping backwards. Like that 
don't, don't know. I, like physics breaks as far as I'm concerned at that point. There's a very strong case to be made that AJ Styles the person is simply an avatar being controlled somewhere else by a, an avid gamer. I <laughs> have a theory that AJ Styles is actually a drone and that's why he is so impressive. Yeah, that's very true and that's why his beliefs are so easily programmed into him. Yeah. Because AI is always like racist and homophobic. <laughs> It's true. I can't recognize black women's faces, man. I don't know nothing. <laughs> Springboard moonsault backwards DDT. I don't even know what that is. That is a move that AJ does in every match in 2005. 360 degrees cell from when Joe gives him a kneeling clothesline. Love he it. kneels down and in the kneeling space, which is lower than normal, AJ manages to find a window to do a 360. How? I... I don't know. I <laughs> <laughs> and the greatest, most AJ Styles moment ever. After he gets all this ass whooping, all this shit happens to him. Every moment he does something spectacular to fight back, Joe just catches him and smashes him. He kicks out at one and goes, <laughs> <laughs> "Yes, AJ." <laughs> we have a great visual when Joe gets the coquina clutch on AJ, and AJ's like bleeding so much from the mouth it's fucking gross but i just i love samojo's coquina clutch is so scary but it's like even more scary when someone's like frothing blood from the mouth and when you do the clutch anytime it's someone who's like who thinks they're about to flip you into some move because they do it where like he's rolling up joe and he's going for the tights and as he's rolling him up and turning back joe's just like yoink he gotcha yeah oh my god it's so fucking brilliant and i love seeing anyone who's caught in like you know a hold where you can see the visual of their face and it's very like distressing and whatnot but the fact that they do this thing where aj's not even facing the ropes Joe's facing the other way and AJ just put his hand out going and he's so close and he doesn't even realise how close he is and he just passes out. Fucking amazing. I can't believe how well this match is aged. This was like me literally going back prepared as I am most always prepared to realise the thing I loved when I was a teenager wasn't as good as all that and fuck me it was even better. Yes, it was so good. So after the match ends, because it's TNA, I guess, we have a bit of a weird finish. A little bit, so, which I opted to not explain. <laughs> Joe beats up AJ some more. Uh, I really After liked... feigning that he was going to follow the code. Yes, that he was going to, like, what, stand him up and shake his hand or whatever. And then he gets he beats up AJ, to which Mike today goes, No! He's obliterated the code! <laughs> <laughs> I really like that. And I wish they'd do this more often in the WWE, that, that they keep ringing the bell, even while Samoa Joe's yeah, like obviously like, like not that. done. I love that. It was like kind of like, come on, come on, Joe. Turn the lights on yeah. now. Stop now. <laughs> and then Joe is going to hit AJ Styles with a chair, but a barman runs in. Yeah, that... Uh... Looks like Baron Corbin. Yeah, that was Christopher Daniels. The oh, Fallen Christopher Angel Daniels. Joe. I should have known because he looks exactly the same. What? Like a barman? No, it's like, he looks exactly the same as he does now. Yeah, like... which is which is pretty damn impressive. Yeah, like 15 years ago. So, two people you are obviously very familiar with, but were you surprised in any way to see that AJ was at this level 15 years ago? I always heard like before he even joined the WWE AJ Styles was one of those people like Kenny Omega or someone who just like everyone talks about how they're they're a legend yeah Yeah, they're just so good 
So I had really high expectations when he signed and he lived up to them for the most part, really. So you had high expectations for this match from like, hey, it's your yeah. fave against the guy we're doing an episode about and it's like one of my favourite matches ever. I mean, one thing I was I was intrigued by was whether or not he'd be even better in his youth because that's obviously a lot of, we've done a lot of episodes on wrestlers that have retired or that are past their prime yeah. and you go back and look at their early stuff and they're either not as good or they're much better. Yeah. AJ just seems very consistently as good. Like, I mean, yeah. I feel maybe I'm not, I don't know enough about wrestling moves to be able to say if he gets better or worse mm. because it's so beyond my level of comprehension. Yeah. It's just, I, I don't even, I'm just very impressed and happy to be here. <laughs> so with AJ, I think what is intriguing about him is that like in watching this match, some things I picked up on, which is like, he would just chuck out a phenomenal forearm as like a move. You know, that's that's just a thing he does. It's part of the offense. But not his finisher. Not his finisher. Okay. And there's certain moves, like that thing where he does the moonsault, he catches you in a reverse DDT off the ropes. I don't think he does that as often as he does back then, but he still can do it. I don't think it's a case that AJ can't do any of the things that he used to be able to do. I think it's the case that AJ probably works a little bit smarter now. And I think... And a little bit, little bit, you know, more like that he knows he'll be retiring within the next five yeah, years. Yeah, and I think the WWE as well, it, it is slightly less encouraging to do this super innovative, like, you Well, see, yeah, Ricochet this... has struggled compared yeah. to AJ. Whereas AJ... Like, they made the Phenomenal Forearm, I think, it's one of the most spectacular finishers in wrestling. Mm. If you told me in 2005, you're going to make his finisher be the Phenomenal Forearm. Are you kidding me, man? <laughs> this is some bullshit, man. Take the gloves off, man. You know, he, he is... I think he is a little safer or a little bit... Not necessarily safer. Maybe he's just more aware of when to bust out the big moves. Yeah. And... He does bust them out on those random occasions and they are ecstatically brilliant. I suppose that's like to the benefit of the WWE as well, though, because like they expect their top talent to wrestle like 300 days a year or something. So, you know, if you're wrestling this like over the top, actually quite risky style, you're you're a financial risk to to WWE as a company. So they want you to wrestle a slightly safer, more controlled style. And in those moments, I mean, you mentioned Cena and AJ. Like, that was the definition of a match. And, like, a lot of his matches with Roman as well, where I'm like, well, he's against Roman, he's against Cena. So even though it's a big match, I'm not going to expect him to do any of this stuff. And he would do stuff... Like, he did stuff in those matches with those guys that I would have been surprised if he did back here. Yeah. You know, and that's it. So I don't think it's a case that AJ can't go like he used to. And if he can, he's managed to hide that with polish. Mm. So I have beaten around the bush quite a lot. So what's the star rating for that one then? No Show? stars. No, I hated it. I no hated stars. It. Rubbish. Don't watch this match. <laughs> I gave it five stars. Wow! Perfect match. Wow! Literally loved it so much. Honestly, everyone needs to watch this match. It's so good. And I am a little biased because I love Samoa Joe. He's like my favorite wrestler. So, you know, slightly biased. But also it's just, it's a fantastic match. It's just hard hitting it's like there isn't much of a story in this at least that i could recognize but I mean, it feels undefeated guy against yeah. last chance to defeat him like, you know it felt very cinematic mm. even though it wasn't cinematic at all yeah nothing like tna grand sized audience it's in a sound stage so you've got a level of production value but it's not like the fucking fanciest looking thing or the, the no. biggest crowd or anything it's just a really great match that I'm so glad lasts the test of time I can't remember the last time you had a perfect match I know me neither Wowzers Trousers how about that a perfect match mm. I think it was a good one to pick for us to look at first because I don't think I suspected that you wouldn't be thrilled to watch lots of AJ stuff yeah I was a bit 
but hesitant. it's certainly got us off to a really good start because yeah. I think it invigorated the watching experience for sure. Yeah, definitely. Because we started off, I think it was the first thing we did of our work day was watch this match. Yeah. And I had it with my morning cup of coffee and I was like immediately like bright and awake and alert. Like, oh, I'm looking <laughs> forward to today's events. So AJ Styles, even though he was kind of the X Division guy, very early in his career, I mean, you know, 2002 and three, they experimented with putting the world championship on him and it was around about this time that there was kind of a back and forth between the different people who were running tna people like vince russo thought that aj could be good as a world champion people like jeff jarrett viewed that people like jeff jarrett might be better (laughs) and aj should maybe stick to the x division so it became quite frustrating to be an AJ Styles fan where he was this guy who seemed very obvious like he was ready to be a top guy. I mean, by the time we'd seen this match, he was already a world champion. So it was very frustrating, much as it was with Samoa Joe, that there was this guy who you were presented with as being like the fucking best kick-ass and then they kind of twiddled their thumbs with him. Right. And AJ has been someone like a lot of people in TNA. You're there for any length of time it happened, unfortunately. Lots of different people come in. Some people get you, some people don't. Some people use pushing you to prove a political point. Some people use burying you to prove a political point. AJ struggled a lot in terms of his character and his direction at times, even though the matches were very, very reliable. I thought I'd list for you some of the teams and factions that AJ Styles was a part of during his 12-year tenure in the in TNA. Okay. I want you to figure out if you know if these guys are good guys or bad guys all right okay firstly the tna frontline that sounds like good guys yeah they are they were good guys and this was a really cool storyline the tna frontline was samoa joe aj styles christopher downs a bunch of like the original guys like we came in we were the original x division wrestlers and now people like Sting and Kurt Angle and Scott Steiner coming Old in. And, yeah, they're coming stink up the joint. They were the main event mafia. They're like, well, fuck you. We're going to have a, you know, we're going to have a stranglehold in this business forever. Enjoy Kevin Nash versus Booker T. No! So he was in the TNA frontline and that storyline didn't really work out very well. They didn't actually get to finish it properly because they changed over. But it doesn't matter. Here's another one. The Angle Alliance. The Angle Alliance? something with Kurt Angle, I'm It guessing. is. It was Kurt Angle's Alliance. Hmm. I'm going to say good guys. But they were bad guys oh, really? as well. Because Kurt Angle was a villain and he surrounded right. himself with all these uh, people to be part of his alliance to make sure that he had the belt and no one else was to take it from him, you know. Okay. Uh, the Christian Coalition. Hmm. Hmm. What do you think that, that group is, as a matter of interest? I don't know, because <laughs> I don't know enough about TNA to know their attitudes towards Christianity. Right. Because, like, in some companies, Christianity is treated quite seriously, mm. and it's kind of, like, respected. And in other companies, it's not so much, e.g. when Vince wrestles God. Right, so if, so if this is WWE, it's like, here come the Christian Coalition King. He, they like to call them the Christian Coalition. <laughs> what, what, what type of a group would the Christian Coalition be in WWE, do you think? Goodies or baddies? Oh, I think they'd be baddies. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. So in TNA, from that, for the few matches we've seen, what would you reckon? This is before Hogan and Bischoff would have been there, if that helps at all. This would have been when, when you would have had a bit of... Jeff Jarrett and Dutch Van Tell and maybe a bit of Vince Russo in there. Oh, Vince Russo. I mean, I don't know the other two, but Vince Russo makes me think it would be bad guys. Bad guys? Yeah. Born again Christian Vince Russo. Oh, he's a born again Christian? Yeah. We oh. talked about it in an episode. Totally forgot about that. Yeah, he doesn't really talk about it a lot now. <laughs> I guess good, good guys then. They were bad guys. But oh. the, the Christian Coalition was a group of wrestlers who were designed to 
help keep Christian have the World Heavyweight Championship and to protect him. <laughs> it was just unfortunate that AJ Styles, the, the, the noted strong Christian, was in a coalition for just a wrestler called Christian. He was also in a group called Sex. Okay. Sports Entertainment Extreme. I bet they were a good guy. No, they were baddies. They were bad. They were baddies, yeah. What year was this? Uh, this was 2002. This was when... Uh, uh, well, although AJ did feud with Sports Entertainment Extreme, I should say, he ran into their locker room with a chainsaw and called Disco Inferno uh, a homophobic slur. Oh. No, it was 2002, you know, you know, in fairness. Well. It's a different time, wasn't it, you know? Okay, last one. Fortune. Good guys. They were... And then they became bad guys. Okay. They were Ric Flair's group. Uh, when Ric Flair came in and joined with, with, with them. And they were... Oh no, they were bad guys. Then they became good, good, then they became good guys. Because Fortune was Ric Flair's group. And he wanted them to be like the four horsemen. So there was like seven of them. And it was AJ Styles and Nigel McGuinness and Frankie Kazarian. You know, like the four horsemen. Right. And they'd all hold up the, the number four. And Ric Flair would go, woo! But then they became good guys. Right. So AJ's been part of a whole bunch of different groups. And, and let's talk about some of the fun storylines that AJ had. Uh, do you know that he once accidentally married Kurt Angle's wife? I have heard this, yes. <laughs> a couple of tweets mentioned this. Did they? Accidentally marrying Kurt Angle's wife. I have no idea the circumstances surrounding it. Right, I've like, I watched the segment and I remembered it. And I've re- I read the, re- the, the, the press release where it's like, AJ Styles accidentally marries Karen Angle. So AJ was the best man for Kurt and Karen's wedding that they were having. They were renewing their vows. Because they were bad guys, and that's what bad guys do. Okay. And AJ, it was suspected that AJ had a little crush on Karen Angle, or Karen Angle had a little crush on on, on AJ Styles. And of course, this is really fun to do because this was coming just around the time that Karen Angle was going to leave Karen Angle for real. Oh, that's nice. And start a family with Jeff Jarrett. Oh. While they were both in the same company okay. as well, that's which was nice. that was a good to do. But one was Samoa Joe came out and he interrupted, and in the ensuing brouhaha. They accidentally got married. Okay. You know how that happens. No. Accidental. You go in, it's like, do you take Joanna Gray to be your lawfully wedded wife? And then someone comes in, there's there's a big dust up. Right. And then all of a sudden you're married to Adam. Okay. I think we should have contingency plans, given that we're wrestling podcasters when we get married, Mm. to make sure this doesn't happen. I mean, God, yeah. Historically wrestling weddings have not gone very well no it's, it's true it's not like uh, one time Taz turned heel in TNA in a wedding as well like so all sorts could happen you we're know? definitely not inviting Taz <laughs> and another thing which was happening with AJ in the kind of the intervening years when there was lots of back and forth and people coming in and out is that they were a bit more comfortable with using AJ as an actual honest to goodness character and not just one who was a wrestler who was going to fight for titles and stuff like that because they felt you know particularly when Hogan and Bischoff came in they were like well we need to have a little bit more a little bit more story a little bit more personality make him a bit more relatable right like in the Attitude Era which is why we had a storyline where we thought AJ Styles might be cheating on his wife now we were very fortunate enough to be sent lots of footage of the Claire Lynch storyline. And I think seeing we're going to be spending so much time talking about great wrestling, we have to talk about some of this other stuff as well. Joe, the Claire Lynch storyline, as we were very happily sent many clips of it, but very fortunately, Brian Zane had done a great video about it, so we're able to cut it down a little bit. I'm going to need another cup of coffee. Okay. To talk about this. Okay. Because my brain is full of fluff. Do um, the right thing, Joe. I want to do the right thing. Do the right thing. 
Oh, God, I feel like I need a nap and I've not even started Come this on. Claire Lynch bit. Claire Lynch, baby, let's go. Okay. Okay, Joe, you're refueled. You've mm. had a, a chance to think. The Claire Lynch saga. Where, where did you get up to with this? What do you mean, where did I get up to? <laughs> um, it was an example of AJ being involved in a kind of a, a real-life situation, kind of, you know? So if you watch some TV, kind of go, wow, what, what, that, that definitely happens all the time. Mm. <laughs> I will try and summarise it best as I can. Okay. Because it didn't start off with Claire Lynch. No, it was very confusing. And bless him, Brian did the best he could trying to explain this. But I still don't really understand what happened. Okay. So, AJ Styles was spotted with Dixie Carter, mm-hmm. the owner at the time of yep. TNA. And there were pictures of them in secret going into each other's apartments, kissing. Ooh. And then it turned out that actually they weren't having an affair... They were actually both going to this other woman's hotel room. And this other woman was called Claire Lynch. Yeah. And she was a drug addict. Now, I don't know why that meant that Dixie Carter and AJ still had to make out in front of her room. Because uh, AJ feels very passionately about about the angle and response to it. Right. His his original idea with it, him and, and Daniels and Kazarian came up with it. Wait, it was, it was their idea? The three of them together. The original idea was going to be was that Daniels, who was the baddie, who had kind of lured away Kazarian uh, and, and was like meant to be this bad influence and like he was AJ's former friend, that they were going to blackmail AJ by saying that he was sleeping with, with the boss. And the idea was that it was going to be that AJ, like, there was all these, these questions about his family. Like, is he sleeping with the boss and all that? And they were going to like, they were going to develop it from there. Right. The idea was that he was ultimately going to be that AJ was not sleeping with his boss because obviously AJ is very sensitive about doing stuff like this because he's such a, a family, family man, man yeah. and all that. You know, God first, family second, wrestling angles third. Yeah. So that was the idea. It was, it was going to be like a playoff of the whole, you know, oh, they're sleeping their way to the top. But they wanted to put it on its head and being like, well, what would happen if a male wrestler who's been very successful could be accused of having slept their way to the top and they're going to say like you were the first guy he was signed to your young little aj styles and that that sexy cougar dixie carter she's obviously you know you've been sleeping your way to the top for years mm. and like i thought that on like, on paper elevator pitch wise sounds fun that is it is definitely an interesting avenue to pursue yeah, because it's, it's new it's not been done before and we're also very big proponents of any time we get to swap the the gender roles that Absolutely, have been yeah. used over and over and over again but they thought that no gotta go for a little bit of an alternate hilt on that we're instead gonna bring in the claire lynch story aspect so yeah this is where it gets confusing and i'm it's still not really been explained to me why aj made out with dixie if they were actually helping Claire. Um, I'm not sure if those pictures are meant to be ambiguous, but they, they seem so like he was doing it. And the yeah. fact that they never bring it up again. Yeah. But like, TNA were quite comfortable doing this themselves at the time. Like They, they had, you know, somebody like Karango, his wife left him. They had like problems as well when, you know, Jeff Jarrett had marital problems. They happily let them play out on screen. Right. You know, when they had this whole thing like where Jeff had gotten together with Karen. He was there like drunk in a bar going like, how do you think my life's working out, man? Or they did a thing once when like AJ... They had this thing that AJ had become like dark sided, and they're like, maybe he's using drugs. And they cut to his house, and it was like, Wendy's like, I don't know what's wrong with AJ. He just, he's not playing Xbox like normal. <laughs> he's been really strange. And then, like, they cut to him in the background, like, blurry, and he was like, obviously, like, hadn't shaved and had like you know, a little, like, like he had had a dirty weekend of kebabs. And he was like, right. get out of here, man. Get, go. No. <laughs> don't look at me. So I think TNA very much had figured out that personal drama, yeah. But how to actually depict that in any way a realistic manner, they hadn't figured that much out. 
hey, at least not making people run over people and give them fictional DUIs to go on their real yeah, DUI rap sheets. That's true. But, but Claire Lynch was uh, not your typical addict, Joe. No, nor was she your typical wrestling guest. <laughs> in that she was not a wrestler, had not done any work in wrestling. She was an actor and she, her background had mainly been in corporate acting gigs. Yeah. Which is about as far away from professional wrestling as you can possibly get while still kind of performing a similar role. Be our guest, be our guest, a decision you'll regret. <laughs> <laughs> so Claire Lynch comes in and it starts off that like, oh yeah, she's this drug addict. But then it turns out that she's got a baby. What? And then it turns out that the baby is AJ Styles' baby. What? And and he's like, check my, check my tattoo, man. Ain't no record of it. Come on. <laughs> Ridiculous. <laughs> but she has pictures, for some reason, of her... It seems like she's date-raped him. Yeah, because AJ doesn't... In real life, AJ doesn't... Or well, they say doesn't really drink. But he doesn't drink. But he doesn't drink. So they're implying that he got date-raped. And Yeah. And there's all these pictures of him on, like looking very unconscious. You can see his tattoos and everything, so you can tell it's him. And then there's Claire kind of leering over Big him with the camera off, uh, like yeah look at me and they've got like a bottle of whiskey in front like as someone who's done his fair share of like little bits of corporate work here and there i can imagine what it would be like in terms of going somewhere where you're given a vague direction and then week on week it seems to be getting a lot spicier as in, yeah you, know, you think you're just there to talk to people about mother's day but next week you're there to talk to them about all sorts you know <laughs> i wouldn't put up with what I think Julia was her name was the the actor who played the because one week she's a, a drug addict the next yeah. week she is uh, she's pregnant and the week after that she's a schemer and a, a date rapist and it's like yeah. okay layers to this Claire Lynch woman all of a sudden yeah I feel really bad for her um, yeah because I don't think she was a wrestling fan Joe no she she wasn't she didn't know anything about wrestling and apparently the fans unsurprisingly were really nasty about her and obviously like because she's playing a drug addict in this they've like used hair and makeup to like make her look quite like tired disheveled she's a good actor as well so she's able to act in a way that like you know makes her seem quite like Again, like, run down, exhausted, well, they, like, they cut desperate. to her in the crowd. She'd look at AJ's matches for a few weeks and she'd be there, like, you know, with tears streaming on her face, going, ah! Like, scowling. And... Yeah, it's, like, obviously not a good look if you've got this character who is both screeching and yelling and yeah. also is manipulating and possibly a rapist. It's uh, not, not a good look for a pregnant character, really. No, we've come a long way from a, hey, let's let's spin some of these old gender roles on yeah. their heads. No, not like that. Not like that at all. And so, yeah, apparently she got like death threats and all sorts. And she... Because in wrestling, when wrestling fans discover something, it's usually one step away from someone's life being ruined. Yeah, you know? pretty much. And all the wrestling fans were like, oh, she's minging and I hate her and she should fucking die. What? Of course they'd say that though because every two seconds you literally had aj styles going daniels what the heck i've been doing with claire lynch she's a foot man i ain't gonna be hanging around her yeah. i mean dixie carter is a very sexy successful woman and that obviously is very understandable hey guys would you think she and let's all talk about how sexy dixie carter is <laughs> like. i mean she is sexy obviously it's besides <laughs> the point joe that's what the real housewives of nashville is for <laughs> so yeah uh, aj kind of comes across as being both a victim but also being the most heartless mean fucker ever because he's like i don't want no kid man yeah and he doesn't make it clear whether or not he's actually disputing his fatherhood of the child he's disputing whether or not he'll look after the kids yeah but then later on so then 
then the actor who plays her and I, I don't know her name I'm not even going to bother to google it because as far as I know after she, she left then and she scrubbed herself online she scrubbed herself yeah. she changed her whole online identity because it impacted her commercial acting career which is really sad and yeah that sucks for her she probably her reputation was forever tarnished and every time you googled her name it came up with rape and death threat it's not just wrestlers who no. TNA can ruin the lives of and no. fans uh, yeah. they can do it with normal people anyone. as well anyone no one is safe <laughs> So, yeah, she leaves, and then that's when it gets kind of really a bit... I think, obviously, they didn't know what they were going to do now. Unlike before, where they definitely they were very knew clear. They were very clear. Mm. <laughs> so, they bring in a lawyer, and the lawyer says... The lawyer is meant to represent Claire Lynch, and the lawyer is like, I was contacted by... She's reading out a statement from Claire, and she's like, I was contacted by Mr. Kazarian, Mr. Daniels, to, to frame AJ Styles. She basically admits to doing everything. Right. Which, hell of a plea deal. I don't know if she got a suspended sentence for that. Like, <laughs> yes, I, I, you know, faked her rape and faked uh, all this stuff. Like, I, I made him think that he had a false paternity and... Very odd where when, like, if you're going to bring in the real world interests and God, you've got to bring in some of the realism with it, right? Yeah. I mean, what the fuck? This would make the Dominic Mysterio custody battle seem like a procedural drama done very, very well by comparison. You know, it's funny. Wrestling is often referred to as being a soap opera with violence. <laughs> and I think a lot of people involved in the day-to-day booking and production of wrestling would benefit a lot from actually watching some of the classic best soap operas like yeah. EastEnders because like if you want to do realism and heavy drama crushing realism like yeah look at especially like British soap operas because they are so gritty and realistic but also silly yeah and like honestly I think wrestling could learn a lot from that well I think that's what happens when wrestling is still drawn from like Maury and Jerry Springer yeah. like which are like as... reality TV yeah, show yeah I mean it still yeah. shows there on TV but if you're saying that's the zeitgeist and that's what like everyone's familiar with it's not it's like when you in your 20s and 90s maybe relate to it but you in your 40s in the modern era don't and I think that's that's kind of a big issue and like TNA is, is a weird company in that it would often be presenting you angles like that and at the same time be presenting you with like some of the best wrestling in the world because mm-hmm. they had a stacked stacked roster but it is kind of sad that AJ was again another casualty of when Hogan and Bischoff came in and took things over because AJ up until them coming in was the I believe at the point he had, had several title reigns under his, his belt he was the longest reigning world champion up until that point and like literally Right before Hogan and Bischoff come in, they're headlining the pay-per-view with AJ Styles versus Christopher Daniels. Like proper, proper fucking like this is this is you know ten-year TNA stuff. Two guys you've known forever. It's a big storyline based on friends being betrayed and two guys being there forever. One guy's career excelling and the other guy's career not doing so well. So we decided to look in somewhere where we get a nice mix of story, but also some of that in ring where we have AJ Styles. Taking on Christopher Daniels, The Fallen Angel. This is a TNA's final resolution, 2009, for the TNA World Championship. And I was wondering if you had thoughts, if any, about top guy AJ Styles on the microphone. Obviously, we saw him in Claire Lynch and in the uh, recap package of this. Is he a believable voice for you? No, he's not very good. He's, um, mm, he reminds me of, like, a... 12 year old boy who's just borrowed his parents video camera for the first time like he's really trying hard bless him but he doesn't he's i think he's trying too hard to be cool Mm -hmm. and doesn't quite understand like 
the elements of what makes someone cool. I think he has gotten to his point now where he can do promos. Yeah. But I think if you look at how AJ does promos, look at his eyes. Like AJ's much more comfortable backstage with a with a microphone on him, him looking off into a blank void because he'll never look anyone in the eyes. He's always like, "Whoa, man!" And he just kind of mm. looks off to the stars, kind of like how Rat- Randy Savage used yeah. to. Where it's like, if I tell myself I'm confident, I put on this persona, and I just kind of go, "Man!" and then let the words come. Yeah. And I kind of think he is still a little marble mouthed, mm. but. He's probably better than, like, not as good as Shawn Michaels, but certainly not as bad as Brett was at, at points in his career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he, AJ is fine. He is, and he doesn't need to be amazing. You know, yeah. we've got other people who are far better on the mic and less skilled in the ring, and it doesn't matter. It's the beauty of wrestling is everyone has something different to contribute. What is interesting, though, is seeing this here, where they're, con- like, this is Russo in charge, and they're kind of confidently saying, like, this is this is what TNA is and this is what it will be. And then just when Hogan and Bischoff come in very quickly, it's like, nah, it's not that. And it never should have been that in the mm-hmm. first place. Like these guys are a little, like I hate that vanilla midget term that was being used and it was Ooh, still what being, does that mean? it was a term used by some of the perennial big men superstars like Hulk Hogan and Kevin Nash of the time to describe people who were very technically, athletically gifted, but very small and lacked any sort of substance or personality or character of, of note. And therefore vanilla, midget because they're small uh they're they're good for a little bit of like you know they're, they're good for like something different to have on the cards you know but it's it's not something that could be a main event or anything like that so it's sad to see them here trying very very hard knowing yeah. that it's ultimately in you know completely futile and here's the thing that's happened with aj as well and i i only found this out a couple of days ago he still technically has that contract that says you can go anywhere in the world you want, AJ. You want to go to Ring of Honor? Fine. As long as you're not on TV, you can go anywhere you want. Wow. He still has that. But he didn't appear on any of those shows, like, pretty much at all. And the reason was is because, according to AJ, they priced him out. They had a clause in his contract where they could set the minimum amount to pay him to right. show up on a show. I and see. they every year they brought it up. Yeah. So here he is in 2009. He's the world champion, but you can't go work any of the shows in the weekend, AJ, because no, you. you don't can afford you because they're going to pay five grand for you because that's all the money they have for all the wrestlers. So it is interesting to know that those really horrible tactics where it seemed designed to kill someone's spirit and passion exist well outside the mind of Vince McMahon. Yeah. Fucking shit. Yeah, it's a real industry problem. <laughs> it is. Taz on commentary, Joe. Oh, yeah. How are you getting on with Taz these days? Uh, he's in AEW, which is cool. Yeah, Joe's a big AEW fan, folks, no, if you don't know. Shut up. You are a big AEW no. fan. No, Lots just, of nice things to say. WWE is just bad at the moment, so by comparison, it kind of makes me an AEW fan. He's an AEW fan? How about that? Well, I mean, in fairness, that's because AEW are excelling in, uh, in empty arena wrestling. Yes. Which uh, it's been a challenge to watch. Yeah. And if you're unaware, folks, it's been so challenging. We started a new side series on Patreon where we have Joe setting a brief for a classic pay-per-view to review. We've had a lot of fun. We've done Halloween Havoc 95. We did Royal Rumble 2002. And then my co-host and life partner, Joe Graham, here decided to put uh, a rewards tier on Patreon saying if we got 450 backers, Billy Keeble, who has, by the way, nothing to do with this show, <laughs> nothing to do with this show, for some reason gets to pick the pay-per-views. So that's what I we'll be doing this month. Of like people who listen to How To Wrestling Who's and, this guy? and don't listen to the Ashley podcast. Like, what? Yeah. Well, Why do we care what he thinks? So, okay, for listeners at home who don't know what Billy's deal is, Billy has weird taste in wrestling. Just putting it mildly, yeah. Putting it mildly. He was once referred to as possibly a hologram. 
which I think is the most accurate way of describing Billy I've ever heard. And Billy has... He's known in the Astro podcast, isn't he, for having strange tastes. Let's just say that he would be proficient in finding the wrestling that I have went out of my way to try and steer you away from yeah. for most of this podcast. So, yeah, what have that to look forward to? That is going to be good. So Billy's got three picks which you can vote from. That's available now at patreon.com slash howtowrestling. The series is available for all $5 backers, but because we're idiots, anyone can vote on it. So you can just head over there, vote, scream into the <laughs> void, and know full well that Joe's going to have to watch something like, I don't know, fucking New Year's Revolution 2006. <laughs> so there we are. But yeah, we've got a big difference to WWE here. So again, at the time, we've got the tail of the tape where they just list the guy's finisher, the number of times that they've been champion and things like that. I, I like the little bit of extra information they're providing i know you're a data head i'm a data head joe i liked the pre-themes as you called them <laughs> yeah this is very very interesting little uh, bit of presentation i really want this in wrestling full stop i want it how would you describe it like because i mean so, think most people don't know what this is so like in, in in wrestling you have entrance themes obviously where once you make your way to the like once you like step onto the stage your music will start and mm. you'll then walk down the ramp and into the ring and you do a bit of a show unless you're Goldberg then the music starts pre-concussion in the yeah, locker room before you headbutt the locker but here they had this bit where they like Goldberg came out of their dressing room and then walked backstage to like the gorilla position only that bit had its own music. It's like bed music, basically. Yeah. Like it, it, it referenced the main theme, yeah. but it was non-intrusive. Really cool. I really, really liked that. And you know what? It got me thinking again about exit themes. Ah, like Mankind, like of Mankind. course, Mankind, yeah. I just think there's so much work that can be done to wrestling to make it more theatrical. Yeah. And I think, oh, that's such a little easy fix that I think will make a big, big difference for like newer fans like me who who just want to come along for the, the performance and the big fun. The, the fun, theatricality. The theatricality, exactly. Yeah. Thank you, well put. I like that TNA goes through several, several changes all the time visually. Like to think there's only four years since the other match we looked at and like even the lighting is so different. It's like blue almost. Like mm. they, they changed the, it looks like you've had a good fiddle with it on Instagram basically. Yeah, like, I've given you an ugly picture and you've changed it around a bit. <laughs> I can't say I know which I prefer. If I prefer the very bright, open kind of feeling of the original 2005 mm. Impact Zone or this kind of like blue space zone that they're in for this one. I mean, it's context specific, I think. It depends on the mood of the show, the yeah. mood of the storyline, the feud, the wrestlers. I think, again, going back to the theatricality of it, I would love it if in wrestling pay-per-views each match had different types of lighting depending on what type of match you're going to yeah. get. Like, you know, in AEW, if you have a comedy match, you obviously want it to be like very well lit. So For the main event, everything. you bring down the lights. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Something dramatic. You have like the audience all in darkness. Yeah, I think there's lots of cool things. You have a spotlight even. Can you imagine a wrestling match with just two spotlights and they follow them around the ring? How cool would that oh, be? Oh, man. How come that's not been done? That's brilliant. Empty arena match, folks. Once once we get fans back, let's get them back out again. That get them like wrestle a... in, the, in the stadium. Uh, well, at the chairs with a spotlight on each of them. I think that'd be fantastic. They look really cool. It would look so cool. Oh, man. So, I was going to ask you here, because it feels like this is, like in many ways, peak AJ, uh, but it's just before he's getting the, uh, the soccer mom hair. Yeah. AJ Styles in this form. You mentioned that he's got twink energy. Yeah. Is he a hunk? Oh. Oh, no. Come on. You've got to answer me this. Is he a hunk? Oh. Oh, no. I don't feel I can answer this question. Yeah. I mean, we've had a discussion about my about my distressing straightness earlier already. I feel like you've you've if anyone's got a gaze here that can 
say something about it. No, because my issues on hunkiness are particular. Okay. To me, a hunk is a gender neutral term. Yeah, we're, we're, we've, we've said yeah. it as such here, yeah. Which has no bearing on what actually someone looks like. Okay. Because <laughs> it's an energy. Is that what you're it's, saying, It's Joe? an energy. It's, it's hard to charisma. define. It's, it's, it's an X factor and it's entirely personal. Like there okay. are people, like Randy Orton, for instance, I wouldn't have said historically as a hunk. But I can't deny that to some people he is. Mm. The same with like John Cena. Like I personally, with, for, for me personally, the hunkiest thing is a problematic wrestler recognizing <laughs> the error of their ways. That I mean, yeah, it, it turns me on. He's especially definitely... when it's an icon like Randy Orton. <laughs> <laughs> He's definitely gained some hunky points for like recognizing and apologizing yeah. for his. But actions. I never know. I never know what topic because like, the other day I was making an egg sandwich for me and Joe, but at the same time I was also putting chili in a slow cooker yeah. and that was apparently hot yeah it was hot <laughs> but like I appreciate that my sexuality is a bit strange and yeah. what I find hot isn't what most people find hot so and this is your treatise on why you're about to tell me that AJ Styles is not a hunk he's handsome mm. but to me he's not a hunk and part of that is because like he he hasn't earned the title of hunk oh and I, feel... I see well, if there's an asterisk in your head and it makes you think about other things yeah. they can't be a hunk yeah like I just don't think it's fair like can you really be a hunk if you're homophobic I don't know if you can be you brought up a point earlier today you said you wanted to mention it you said perma heel and perma face <laughs> yeah. and now and and i think this may bleed into this discussion because i think daniels is a good counterpoint here because daniels looks a lot stereotypically more evil with the kind of yeah he, he looks like the baddie from the mummy returns whereas i'd be much more comfortable saying christopher daniels is a hunk than aj styles even though i don't know much about christopher daniels <laughs> i mean he's he, i would say christopher daniels is probably more in alignment with your values than aj styles yeah is. i would guess but that would be fairly low bar to entry as far as yeah. I know I mean would you consider yourself part of the Faniels which is the Christopher Daniels fans that's my fan club of, of, of points the, <laughs> the Faniels look you've only got a few years left in your career Fallen Angel you want to start calling us the Faniels I'm down if you are because actually I say Christopher Daniels they changed his name in this match to just Daniels Daniels yeah very WWE yeah, you, what happens? You get Daniels when you got you know a couple of guys named Daniel. That's their stable name. <laughs> they call them the Daniels. <laughs> but you say he's he's more of a natural hunk. But the perma heel, perma face. Yes. What do you mean by that? So this is slightly off topic because I, I'm not sure if it's going to come up here. Okay. It was when we were watching the John Cena AJ Styles match that got me thinking about this new term I've coined, which is, and I think it it best describes someone like Cody Rhodes. Mm. I would think of Cody Rhodes as a perma-heel in that it doesn't matter whether he's a heel or a face. To me, he will always be a heel. He just comes across as a bad guy. Okay. <laughs> and AJ Styles is the same. Like Even when he's playing a face character, there's something about who he is as a person yeah. that is not very likable. And he, he brings that out as a character, which makes yeah. him come across as a heel. And you're totally right because... I think on this podcast, I've used so many times the example of like heels who have got spectacular offense and why that works against them. I always use like the AJ Styles, like in TNA, they struggled with that a little bit at the start. But like AJ's been heel for as long as I can remember now on TV. And it kind of feels like, yeah, him being heel seems so natural. Yeah. It seems so right that if you used to turn him into a face, you'd be like, no, 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 no. Heel, yeah. yeah seems right and obviously you can change your mind like i think i would have historically said Sami Zayn and bailey were a permaface but they are definitely not so they've proved yeah. that they can be both oh so it's not just the case that 
this is the case that someone can play a character and even though they themselves as a person are very nice and mm. a very good person that can't be so much to ruin a good heel character no. in the same way that someone being a piece of shit can very easily ruin a good face character is that what you're saying yes i think so <laughs> okay <laughs> intriguing I, I i i would say most people are probably of a similar viewpoint like you know? i don't know much about the rock and i know he's supposed to be a good guy but I'm pretty uh. sure any match I watch with The Rock, because of what I know about him and the, because of the way his character is like cool and edgy, yeah. I think he's going to be a perma-heel to me. Like, I yeah. just I think certain characters, the way they have acted in the past, the good guy behavior has not aged well. Yeah. And therefore, the actions that would have made them a face in you know 15 years ago makes them a, a heel now. Hulk Hogan. Perma-heel. Oh, perma-heel, yeah. <laughs> he's a heel and a hypocrite. Jesus Christ. Also a racist. <laughs> So the story of this, two guys who came into the company well at the beginning of TNA, the original X Division stars, you know, king of the indies way back in the day, wrestling in gyms in front of no one. And one guy is the world champion who's been like the longest reigning world champion for a long time now. He's constantly named as the best wrestler in the world. And the guy who came in and was like the little bit more of a veteran is now seeing that his career is just not as good. And Daniels has been in and out of the company a few times. It's a really, really cool story. Very, very simple. And I think if you're going to use people's real life career frustrations, I think that's a respectful enough way of doing it without making him seem yeah. like he's a total putz for losing his job all the time. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that works. Most of the match is like one step aheadedness, where like they know each other so well yeah. they can predict what's happening. It was a slightly slower pace of match yes. than a lot of the other AJ ones. I think that's why some people wanted you to see this one. Mm. Yeah, the a lot of matches that AJ has, I've one of the reasons I really like them is that they start off very fast paced and then they kind of slow down and then they pick up pace again. Yeah. And there's something about that formula that I really like. Mm. This one didn't do it so much for me. Because it was the, back, they wanted to show you back and forth. Yeah, like, they were he does building. Thing, yeah. yeah, and I think, again, maybe I, I'd be very interested to hear from people who maybe have been watching wrestling for like a similar length of time as I have or even less. And that is it because I don't, know the wrestling enough that that doesn't appeal to me as much yeah because like for me it's like the kind of like the showmanship the whole ah spectacle of things that i really like so when they like <laughs> obviously you really liked this like this oh, yeah, I slow this match, build yeah. up of like almost like um a, a feat of brains or whatever it was like, like a chess match yeah it was thing, like a yeah. chess match yeah and I think that's I think that's the perfect analogy actually because yeah similarly if you aren't a chess master a chess match is going to be really boring to you and you'll be like okay so what they played a game of chess I don't see what the big deal is but if you know all the moves and what's possible and you understand the game it's really exciting for you because you're like ah he's just done a really famous it's, move it's like or... why you enjoyed some of that guy's Sudoku playthroughs you saw yeah. on YouTube but not most of them exactly <laughs> <laughs> I think I, I totally get that I think there are different genres of your wrestling match and I think AJ, even though a common critique, which I think was completely wrong, much like with the Young Bucks, just the lazy kind of like, ah, oh, he was just, he only did these spot fest matches. And there's a lot more kind of cerebral matches like this. Yeah. And these are always very noteworthy when the crowds seem quiet, but then all of a sudden they just go, this is awesome, out of nowhere. It's like, oh, okay. Because like, <laughs> I think you know, there's a couple of movies we've watched recently where as I was watching them, I would have been like, I'm not loving this, mm. but they got their hooks into me. Yeah. And therefore I paid attention and it kind of just slowly dragged me along with it. And I think this match successfully did that. But I don't know if it would be the case that it would do it for everyone. It's yeah. not every everyone if you see Styles and Daniels, you would expect perhaps more athleticism. There were some real like innovative <laughs> 
<laughs> I need a thesaurus thing of other words for innovative for the AJ Styles episode. But these two guys who I've seen wrestle so many times, both as opponents, both as, as tag team partners, both as opponents in tag teams. But there was a couple of things they did in this match that really made me go wowie owie. Like when they did the <laughs> monkey flip into the turnbuckle. Oh god. That yeah. was AJ has a way of crashing into things. Yeah. Like back first. It's like when he gets knocked over or pushed or like given an Irish whip or something, he like speeds himself up. Yeah. He's so confident, I think, with no... I mean, this is like me, again, there's going to be so many disclaimers in this episode of I don't know what I'm talking about. I think he knows the ring so well that he's able to confidently fling himself at the ropes and know I'm going to be caught right. or I'm going to land right here yeah. or I'm going to bounce back in this way. Because he's able to like... In, in a way that lots of like newer wrestlers, I think a big criticism that we have of them running the ropes is they have this hesitation of like, oh, owie, the ropes yeah. hurt. And of course they do. They're horrible. They suck. But he almost like, is totally the other way. He like, f- he runs at them. He like throws no himself at them. Like no fear. Like you, you can't watch an AJ Styles match and think about how much the ropes must hurt to run into. No, the even... way that you do with like newer wrestlers, and you go, yeah, I'm conscious of that fact. Because he's so like a video game in many respects, and I think you know he obviously is very good at selling. We've said that, but yeah. I think that doesn't take away from the fact that he makes things look a lot easier than they actually are. I'm kind of glad I wasn't ten watching AJ Styles. It's bad enough I was imitating yeah, Mick Foley know. and you know Al Snow and Hardcore Holly. But Jesus Christ, there but the grace of God. At least I was only trying to do an elbow drop off a tree. I wasn't trying to do a fucking 450 like. My brother reminds me a lot of AJ Styles mm. athletically. And yeah. my brother is like one of those freaks who's just like can do anything, gifted. Like. like he just knows his body so well and can do whatever. He used to like jump off roofs all the time and things. If he had watched AJ Styles matches, Watch I, out, like. he would have broken every bone <laughs> in his body. It would have been so ridiculous. Like <laughs> it's funny that like all the whole home warnings like do not try this at home happens to all like the chair shots yeah, and stuff yeah. but not like the really fun flip do things that kids obviously do on their beds yeah or, <laughs> which or, is like still really dangerous you had a trampoline oh my I god I know and you think of all the other kids hell. who had trampolines and were wrestling fans my parents I don't think they would have let us have a trampoline if we had watched wrestling yeah I think that that would have been a trade off yeah the most horrible moment in the match is when AJ is kind of he's again he's thrown himself into the ropes he's all kind of caught up and he's hanging out to the outside i think he just wants to show that he's very discombobulated Mm. but then there's a moment where he genuinely i think loses his footing and he's like shit 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 and he lands right on his head and face it's horrible the noise really scary yep really nasty it was probably like five or six inches the drop but it's just because of how prone he was and also the fact that like it felt so sudden yeah like I've seen, I've been fooled by AJ doing a move deliberately that I thought he had done mistakenly, but actually was on purpose. Yeah, I, I think this has to be a mistake. No one would land on their face. No one would face plant on purpose. It looked so sore. Yeah, and it like the way his sucked. neck moved as well. Like oh, it's just yeah, no, no absolutely. Yeah, there's a lot of really nasty spots in in this. There's a backbreaker into the turnbuckle as yeah. well, which I really enjoyed. And there was a lot. I will say, for as many things where like it looked disgusting, there were a number of things where it's like, oh, that looked disgusting, and then upon rewatching, you're like, oh, actually, no, that's very safe. It just seemed like it was mm. a lot more dangerous than it was there were lots of times where they just played off what you thought was going to happen like you know daniel's going for a hurricane rana when they're in the ring and he hits it but then when they're outside the ring aj catches him and gives him a dirty power bomb like you thought that would happen inside 
some beautiful attempts into the Styles Clash and he had like Daniels crawling while in the move into the ropes. Yeah. Now, knowing how dangerous that move is, the idea of literally moving around really? while someone is holding you and moving backwards and shimmying and they can't fucking see you. Oh, it's so scary. Yeah, it is a more than a little bit. There's a moment where they get thrown to the outside of the ring and Taz says on commentary, he says... The padding does nothing to protect these wrestlers it's a very from the concrete. Th- very thin mat. It's almost non-existent. He, he literally said they were landing on bare concrete. And then you can see the landing mat. That is blatantly not true. Now, I'm not saying that landing on a mat is like comfortable or anything or like nice. No, it's sure horrible. It sucks. It sucks. <laughs> but you, know, you, you were like, he jumped onto concrete in ECW. Yeah, What's exactly. talking about? That's obviously what he's saying. It's, it's why they didn't bother with padding in ECW because it just doesn't do anything. Yeah, it was about getting dirty. That was the real worry yeah. when you were thrown to the outside yeah. instead. <laughs> Christopher Daniels. Sorry. sorry. And then he says, it's not ballet. And I fucking hate, that's my least favorite trope in wrestling is when they say, it's not ballet, this ladies and gentlemen. This ain't ballet. Yeah. Well, they say it ain't ballet. Now... You fucking dare say that to a ballet dancer. Yeah, I mean, I, I need dare you. a friend who only did ballet like now and then and hated it. Yeah. And even they were pushed beyond their limits. Yeah. So if you're remotely professional, no, this ain't ballet. Because I will say ballet is probably way fucking harder. And that's not taking away from how incredibly difficult wrestling is. It's mm-hmm. just that, b- seriously, folks, ballet ain't soft. I remember in school, there was this rugby kid who made fun of this other kid who was in my dance class. And he did ballet in his spare time. And he was like, yeah, fucking ballet's and the kid who did ballet picked up this rugby lad who was like fucking twice his size fireman carried him over his shoulder like did like a leap was Amazing. like fuck you I, want I a, can do this I want a ballet wrestler I want a ballet like, would be yeah, so cool a badass motherfucker some like Dominic Dijakovic looking big scary motherfucker yeah. like, this big fucking Russian ballet dancer they're gonna fuck you up I think we have a whole stable of, of ballet oh, performers so cool yes please Christopher Daniels has a maneuver, Joe, and it's called the BME, the best moonsault ever, where he jumps from one rope to another and then very picture perfectly does a lovely, lovely floaty moonsault. It's very good. Is it very good moonsault or the best moonsault ever? That's I don't know because I've not seen all of the moonsaults in the world. I don't feel like I'm qualified to comment. Are you uh, impressed by, uh, I mean, because you've seen Christopher Daniels in AEW, right? Yeah, I like him a lot. You like, you like SCU? SCU, yeah. You like, <laughs> were you surprised to find out like how long his career has been? Like how he's been wrestling for like nearly thirty, nearly twenty five years at this point. I was given that he's not. Has he ever been in WWE? Uh, he would have shown up for a few like dark matches right. and tryouts and stuff. Do like the WWE? Do they just hate bald people? Is it like after Steve Austin they were like no one else is allowed to be bald? Well, we're okay, only Goldberg. Him. You're allowed to be bald. Kangles balls. Huh? Oh yeah, that's true. Yeah. I think they more hate small wrestlers, I think. And particularly in the, you know, he would have been coming up in 98, 99. They wouldn't have it's had so any... It's bad, like, small, to me, does not mean Christopher Daniels. No, like he doesn't, six seem, foot doesn't seem small at all, does <laughs> no. he? It's it's. I, I think, like, in it's, it's starting to happen now where I'm noticing there's a generation of younger fans where they're like, these are small? Like, no, those guys are massive. Yeah, and, Big and, Show isn't normal. No, <laughs> and you know what works really well now is that now that we slightly because of the likes of AJ and Christopher, you know, fair fucks these ads for plowing through and 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 being sacrificial lives have to be in companies like TNA that didn't understand them for so long just so they could stay on national TV so they could get the point across that size doesn't matter like that because we just watched 
Backlash 2020, where they're like, Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley, two giant monsters. Now, in 2006, they would have just been very normal guys. But the yeah. fact that they can build that now as a clash of titans, that's good. Because yeah. when you get somebody even taller, you can build it as something else. Exactly. I don't understand <laughs> this whole... There's Why one... do you think all my podcasting pals are tall and one or two of them are short? <laughs> it makes us look better, obviously. <laughs> that was, I think, the strangest thing to me as a new wrestling fan was the idea that WWE don't sell their big stars, like as in physically yeah. big, as like, look at these monsters. Instead, it's like, look at these normal wrestlers. Well, that guy's too small. <laughs> that guy's too small. Yeah, instead of like, just like, that's such a boring way to approach something that's like physical. Like, yeah. Just so boring. Christopher Daniels and AJ Styles, what could we have here was best described as a 12-heart event because they know each other so well. We have a roll-through Styles clash and then a second rope Styles clash. Only possible if you know Daniels' favourite thing to send him in the mail. Like, you know, right. these guys know each other super well. AJ Styles picks up the win in what would go down as like one of like kind of TNA's last attempts at having its own ideology and its own brand because what would happen after here was that you would have Hogan and Bischoff trying to make it this weird combination of other companies from the past and it has struggled to regain its identity since. But it is amazing to look back and see like in 2009 that TNA, for its faults, had AJ Styles firmly as its top guy. And that was a company that also had Sting, Kurt Angle. Wow. You had Nigel McGuinness, you know, all these you know, top names. And they were like, no, AJ's our guy. 12 years though, you imagine that's a long time to be with the company. That is, yeah. What did you think of this match? You said you weren't as big of a fan of it and you didn't have top spots. So there's a couple of bits I want to talk about before I get to my rating. Yeah. So I've got a question okay. and I've also got a comment. A question, a comment, okay. Yeah. So my comment first, there was a move that AJ Styles did just before he did the Styles Clash off the top rope mm. that you loved and were very impressed by. Oh, and yeah. I missed it and then you went... Well, I didn't miss it. I saw it, didn't understand really what happened. I mean, you rewound and showed it to me again and I still couldn't understand why it was impressive. He what happened? springboarded from the ring apron to the ropes yeah. and from the ropes to Daniels, who was on the turnbuckle, and then did a move off there all in one sequence has that not been done since i feel like oh I've yeah it that. definitely has but okay. you know i think a leap to do something is one thing like if you leap onto the ropes and you springboard off to do a move onto someone that's incredible but yeah. it's, it's, it's again like his sideways moonsault from before it's the fact that he was able to leap like backwards and diagonally mm. and then follow through with a move where his momentum and his body were moving in completely opposite directions you see what it is is aj styles actually has i don't know if you know this one of his long lost family members is actually mario ah, so he has course. this like triple jump ability that's just like it runs in the family whoop woohoo i mean there's some stuff out there <laughs> that's what i'm saying yeah. <laughs> oh no he wouldn't be able to play mario galaxy would he because uh, oh all them orbs all like orbs. no 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 look 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 right he has firmly said that he is not a flat earther he is not a flat earther there's just some stuff out there all it is is that there is some stuff out there. And yeah. look, I'm I'm quoting verbatim here. I'm not trying to make fun of him here now, right? There is stuff out there from the Flat Earth Society that he thinks it's worth looking at. It it's, not that what, he thinks, it's not that he thinks the Earth is flat. It's just that the society dedicated to the non-science of proving yeah. that the Earth or questioning the Earth's roundness have made some very valid points. I but just... I'm not going to tell you what they are. 
Yeah. Much in the same way where I, AJ also said, you got to be careful what you say on Twitter or what you say in your promos because they'll come after you, man. Yeah. Like, we don't know who that they is either. No. <laughs> you know, there's a, an ambiguity here with AJ, I think. Yes, the they is doing some heavy lifting. <laughs> but yeah, he... I, I would like to know what exactly it is about the the flat earth stuff that he thinks is so difficult to argue against. Because like I feel everything I've heard about the flat earth argument theory the argument theory is very easy to dispute even with my very limited knowledge of science but like as someone who has been a science teacher and before that was involved in research where i had to you know submit papers and, and get feedback and notes and argue scientific points and whatnot there is a format in which scientific discussions are meant to take place like if you was a pokemon battle right evidence you know counterpoint newer evidence systemic review you you, you argue the point it, yeah. it feels like a battle but you are on the same page ultimately because your ultimate goal is some sort of objective truth or, or, or something that's provable or yeah. something that can be shown to be proven it's, it's all it's all friendly and all that when you have then people of a scientific mindset trying to argue with someone who the fundamental nature of the mindset is rejecting the fundamentals of science mm. much in the same way before like you're making assumptions when you're trying to argue with someone about homophobia that are simply not true to that person yeah you're a losing battle and i think the point then where you can say well you're just an elitist and that seems to be a catch-all to get out of it mm. the reality is this aj styles definitely at least some point in his life believed a, a whole bunch or was convinced by a bunch of very convincing arguments from flat earth i don't blame him for doing so you know smarter people than him have fallen for it lots of celebrities have uh, are, are oh, avid flat earthers i bet loads of wrestlers are flat earthers and we don't even know i'll tell you what a slick video package will do all sorts mm. including making you excited for the main event of backlash right that's that's just what slick video packages can do he then goes on to talking smack where daniel bryan very very publicly and with the utmost glee and sincerity <laughs> made him out to be the biggest fucking idiot in the world it is a bit like the earth I, is a sphere i love it but it reminds me so much of being in school with like the smart kid who obviously is going to do very well in life who's going to go off to this fancy university has like, all the privileges yeah. being like Haha, you idiot school bully don't know this thing that i know and it's like yeah, obviously you should know this because it's just fact. Like, you should have been taught this. And but it's also, not, is it it's really not helpful, yeah. fair to make fun of them? It doesn't. It doesn't help. But also, it's really funny. <laughs> Look, here, here is a teacher who had to really, when I was learning to teach, like, when I was observing lessons, I'd be like, why did you, like, engage with them about this? Like, why, like this person was saying, like, you know, the amount of times, because where I was teaching was, there was quite a religious community nearby, so there was oftentimes, you know, Mr. Biology had to defend the works of charles darwin this that and the other the temptation to go you're an idiot you're misinformed like you know it's it's very strong mm. because kids aren't very good at defending themselves and you could literally say you're being really stupid and that's it but what are you doing there you're literally yeah. all you're going to do is make sure that person is never going to engage again no. and like there were times where i had students where i'm like this person is so full of problematic bullshit mm. in their head and i would engage with them more than anyone else but simply because i know if i didn't yeah that they're just lost fucking cause and that's what's kind of sad with aj he's been like publicly shamed and no more so than with the, the guy community it's like he's not going to have that conversation now because he's too scared he has said he doesn't interact with anyone on twitter anymore mm. or on social media because he just can't deal with it and what he can't deal with is having to argue it because it's too hard and to be fair he's not done 
he's he's obviously being a bit lazy about there's some this. stuff there but there's more stuff there which involves me doing work which is yeah, hard, hard and i'm not gonna do it i'm i'm a bit busy i've got lots of family members and i'm also a professional but wrestler I'm so i've not really got time reasonably sure that vaccinations yeah. will give my child autism yeah. but i've a good hunch i saw it on facebook so it's gotta be fine probably like. true so like yeah his problems with this are the same with a lot of his problems and i'm sure all the problems that you come across uh, when you're looking at facebook at all the people you used to go to school with or work with or are related to who do similar stupid shit We've not yet developed the technology to have the conversation as it needs to be. I mean, I think there are definitely some people who need to be told, you're a fucking idiot. Pull your head out of your ass. Stop being a piece of shit. I think it's the point where the people are being aggressive about talking about the earth being fucking flat. Being very hateful and harming those around them. I think at that point, you absolutely have to shut that right down. I would definitely say there's probably more hate on the side of us who believes that the earth is round than those who believe it's flat, mainly because it's such a confounding belief that we've had to reconcile our knowledge with. It is very invalidating. As someone who knows the earth is round. You know, I've, I've seen the curvature of the earth from a plane I, I, uh, I'll attempt to respect your belief if you want to call it that like yeah but <laughs> it's 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 easy to see why people like and with AJ I think I was mentioning to you as well where you know you can see the light at the end of the tunnel mm. you know and it's it's God first family second wrestling third once wrestling's done I think that you won't hear from AJ again I think once he's retired he'll be off he'll be family man and that'll be it he'll be kids grandkids and that's all he'll really care about I think mm. I don't think he wants to I think he thinks he can get away with never addressing this and then two or three years he'll be done and then I'm gone I'm out of the public eye he's probably right you know, it'll happen Cold. with Lesnar happened with Stone Cold yeah happened with lots of and people he's got fucking podcasts yeah you don't even <laughs> need to shut up like full stop you just need to not talk about that particular issue for people to really sweep it under the rug and it totally works as well when there are those of us who don't even realise how eager we are to not talk about any of these mm. things I had to be you know more or less drag kicking and screaming to realise what a piece of shit Vince and Stone Cold were other than like <laughs> you know I had like, my lie in my head where it's like oh I know they're the stuff and they're bad but I didn't want to really look about it and challenge <laughs> oh, myself God. on it you know I try not to think about those times because there were so many times when I like found stuff about Vince or Stone Cold well not Stone Cold so much I don't think I really looked into it I, just yeah, I, I really took your word found for out it. a lot more than we ever could have yeah. bargained for with Stone Cold yeah <laughs> but I think Vince was the first time where I like found out stuff you didn't know and i was like trying to get you to see what he was like really well, like, I was like no he's this brand of horrible that i'm comfortable yeah. with like, i don't want to know anymore i don't know about <laughs> this other stuff but yeah, but, yeah i think it's it, you gotta ask yourself the question it's like are you happy with him being a role model when it's very obvious that he's ducking yeah you know he's ducking what is that what role models will do no the important thing is when someone challenges your beliefs is to run away you know <laughs> and find a podcast where their beliefs are even worse than yours <laughs> so you did say you didn't enjoy the match as much it was a slower pace more of the cerebral style as we said yeah. but I, I thought it was important to show you a different feather to aj's bow seeing as you've seen lots of him being regular spectacular uh, how did you get on with aj and daniels it's just occurred to me i said i had a question and a comment i only did my comment not my question so quickly question who are the yellow men what's with their t-shirts those joe are members of the bubba the love sponge army they're loyal listeners of bubba the love sponge's radio show I'll say no more and as the uh, the bringing in of hogan and bischoff has now been uh, made public these gentlemen were offered free tickets and their numbers would increase until they're asked politely to not come back again <laughs> Okay, cool. I gave this match two and a half stars. All right. I liked it, fine, but I, I have no interest in watching it again. I feel an issue with this is that you could be Hogan and Bischoff and go, come on, brother, look at this. 
we need some we need some action, brother. You, know, you can you they can dismiss this as being like this yeah. is just that quiet cruiserweight stuff that no one actually wants. Because they're Philistines like me. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> AJ leaves the company after a few more bumpy handovers and rough changes. He was super critical of of Hogan and Bischoff. Like as soon as he had the option, he was like, he said they killed the company. Like he was Good. very upfront about that. But like it wasn't as if Dixie Carter and a few of the other members of the Brain Trust didn't have some really shitty, terrible storylines they tried along the way. And I can't really talk about it too much because it is mainly in reference to CM Punk. But CM Punk. A character we've not done an episode on yet, he he had a very kind of public leaving of a company, let's just say, that was turned into this exquisite storyline that is... Is this the pipe bomb? It's the stuff of legend, Joe. And three I, years... I don't know anything about the pipe bomb. Or I always assume that it's the moment where CM Punk did a poo in the ring. <laughs> pipe bomb! And they had this great story around it and he left the company because he did a poo. Yeah, and all the videos come up. What Did CM Punk do a pipe bomb in the ring? <laughs> this is what happened. Wait, does that mean every time you see those compilations where it's like he's top five ring, pipe yeah. bombs. He's you doing think, a little poo. Well, you see all those other, like a Paul Heyman's pipe bomb or a Vince McMahon's pipe doing a little bomb. Poo. They're all the little poos. Yeah. This is what happens when someone who doesn't know anything about wrestling has to be in a wrestling podcast, <laughs> but doesn't like do episodes on some of the main players. They have to piece together what's happened. Well, we'll get there. We'll get there eventually. I'll just say they made a storyline of AJ leaving TNA, which was based on the lines of, AJ's told them to go fuck themselves. He's running like eat pussy on the wall. He's getting in a souped up motor and Dixie cars on her hands and he's going, no, AJ, don't leave. And then he literally just left. Wow, okay. There was a shoot interview that I watched where it was very apparent straight away that they were going to do this whole thing where AJ's like left the company and like, I'm, you know, they're like, go off AJ, go do your thing, go do some indies. We'll bring you back with a cool new storyline, a new character that you were the guy who told Teenage to go fuck themselves. And he literally did a shoot interview. It was two and a half hours and he's there going, yeah, man, oh, uh, TNA, I hate him so much. And shh, you never know, I might come back, man. I got some unfinished business there, man. Oh, man. And There's some stuff out there, man. It, that was the thing. Is like he was being really legitimate about it. Like he was talking very truthfully about a lot of things, but there was also him trying to like work the marks, brother. Yeah. And like, we're going to come back and do something later. He didn't go back and do something later. Oh, dear. In the year and a half, year and change thereabouts that he was gone, he was in Pro Wrestling Gorilla, Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro Wrestling, did a tour in England, CZW. He was the first American since Brock Lesnar to win the New Japan Pro Wrestling Heavyweight Championship. He became the leader of the Bullet Club. He went to Chikara. He formed a team with the, with, with the Young Bucks. Like, he... He basically, you know, remember when Cody Rhodes left WWE? He's like, I'm going to go do the wrestling bucket list. You know, I'm going to go do all these things I wanted to do when I was in WWE. AJ, like, did that before that was a thing. He just went off and he, every cool company he mm. went to, he did the top feud in. He did everything. Wow. He did everything so that when he went to WWE, people were like, yeah, all right, it's all right, I guess, because you've done pretty much everything. You've been to New Japan, you had all those great matches, you'd worked the Tokyo Dome, you know, you worked in PWG. In... What's kind of mad to me is the fact that, like, so many times when we cover wrestlers who've, like, done things like that, where they've, like, travelled the world and experienced all the different promotional companies, mm-hmm. that they improve so significantly from just exploring different styles and, yeah. like, seeing different genres of wrestling... But AJ seems so consistent in his style. Like, even before he goes and becomes this travel journeyman, like, it, his his style doesn't change significantly. No, it's just gravy. That's all it is. Yeah. His hair looks better. Yeah. He, he gets to be in a cool... Like, him being leader of the Bullet Club and him being aligned with the Young Bucks, I think that was very important in kind of 
bridging the two generations of cool indie wrestlers that made it like kind of he got the seal of like yeah no he's cool cool indie wrestler he's, he's elite before elite was a thing and i like that and i think him being a heel in japan as a white guy there's a specific skill set that comes with that and it has to be a lot of non-verbal heel antics and whatnot perfect for aj then and it is perfect for aj which is why we got a lot of recommendations for aj stuff to do in new japan and i'm very very happy that we finally get to see on the podcast one of my absolute current faves a man who is as fascinating to look at as he is terrifying to witness Minoru suzuki taking on aj styles this is from the g1 climax 2014 from New Japan Pro Wrestling. And this show, which breaks, I think, the concept of Dave Meltzer and wrestling journalism having a one sole voice of what is objectively good or not. Yeah. Um, it's that JJ Styles has only got one match of the year ever. What? And this is it. Wow. He's okay. only won match of the year by the Wrestling Observer once in his career. And he only has, as well, one five star match to his name, which oh, is that's that triple threat. Very strange. Because like it's it? one thing to have a match of the year because like obviously there can only be one match of the year. So that's yeah. very competitive. It depends yeah, yeah. massively on this the current state of wrestling that year. But only one five-star match? I know it goes up to six stars now. But seven, I think. Oh, is it really seven? I don't know. Bloody hell, Dave. And I mean, this fact, we've had the greatest wrestling match ever recently. So How many stars did that get? I've got at least eight, I would imagine. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's it's really going to uh, make it... I just think it, it does... I, don't, I would say as well, as well as if I don't think Dave Meltzer is saying my opinion is the objective truth. No, I but some fans Some do. fans would probably mm. would take that viewpoint. But I just find it quite strange about AJ is that I think... He was an internet darling before the internet realized it could have darlings. Really? That's interesting. <laughs> like, he was just kind of the default original, like, cool guy from another company, you mm. know, who would never be in WWE, surely. Minoru Suzuki, though. Is it a name that you've seen before? Is it a face oh, you're yes. familiar with? I am very familiar with Minoru well, he's Suzuki. He's not just shown up in a Yakuza game while I'm playing Clan Wars or something. Oh, I he? wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> he would fit right in. He's a very scary man who is angry and has a towel over his head. So he's like Taz, but better. Ah, yes. When Suzuki came out here, there was a, a long kind of, a long stare from you at the towel before you were like, yeah, I think that's why I don't like Taz. Yeah, because I think everything I was not that impressed with Taz is something I love in Minoru Suzuki. Like Taz is just like this angry man who with a towel on his head. And okay, short, fine. That's important to some people, but... Yeah doesn't really make any difference to me whereas Monaro Suzuki he's like he's so much scarier like he I don't know there's something about him his maybe... eyes his eyes there's something going on in those eyes I like I was I captivated just, I don't think it's just his eyes though like yeah. I find his ears very scary his nose is scary his head is scary he's yeah. just he's a, a lumpy man who looks like a boxer. Yeah. Like he's got this kind of, I don't want to say scarred face, because I don't know if he is. He looks like it's... a warrior, Joe. Yeah, he looks like he's legitimately been in loads of fights. And especially like, I know what he looked like as like a young man. Yeah. And he's like this model. Like He could have been like, honestly, like a supermodel. He's so bloody handsome. I love the idea of like, in this match, you've got flippy heel AJ Styles, mm. uh, the cocky leader of the Bullet Club against this like real, like physically 
What's the best? This man whose sole purpose in life seems to be to hurt others and beat the shit out of them, which makes me very excited because I think this is a, a period of time where AJ certainly figured out how to use his heelness mm. and his um, his in-ring style to kind of work together a little bit more logically because I think in America an issue always was like, wow, fun move, wow. But in Japan, there seems to be more of a respect of, okay, that is an awesome move, but that, that 450 is going to hurt. And you get an ooh instead, <laughs> I love you know? Ooh. The ooh is great. The ooh is very we good. We need to get the ooh in Western wrestling audiences. Uh, if if we can also have ooh. When's that appropriate? Uh, usually after a you're in trouble chant <laughs> from the performance center. Hey. Ho, ha, ho, ha, ha, ha. Lots of empty arena wrestling to get through <laughs> on our Patreon page, folks, if that's your thing. So there is a new look for AJ Styles, which is the goatee and the hair. The hair, which I have it on good authority... That it was a stylistic choice for his in-ring persona. Okay. That the hair flips when he does his dyes, which looks very really good. cool and photogenic. Yeah, notice in our artwork, ah. he's got very flippy, glittery hair. Thanks to Dan so much for making AJ as beautiful as he is. And also as well, thank you for incorporating the curvature of the earth, it feels, in that picture <laughs> yes, as well. I it's really, a slight dig. <laughs> there's some stuff there in that picture, they've all, I'll say. <laughs> all right, you know? <laughs> but what I, I like as well about the hair is I've heard it that he can use it to call spots. When he's on the ropes, his hair is over his head and he can be having a good old chat and you'll mm. never, never know. Like, yeah, which is really interesting. We've talked before about my love of long hair in wrestling and yeah. there's also how it can be used as an offensive manoeuvre by grabbing someone with it, throwing them around. I think hair pulling is very effective. Yeah, you were demanding well. a kiss at the start of this match, though. You were, you were over and over demanding a kiss. Well, they start off by, what's the term here? Sizing each other up? Sizing each other up, yes. Yeah, squaring they, off. Squaring off, yeah. And they kind of both like lean at each other. But oh my God, can you imagine being that close to Minoru Suzuki? Mm. It would be so scary. Like, His I breath smells know. like punches. <laughs> like fists. <laughs> <laughs> AJ looks like he's trying really hard not to be scared. But like how... Like, I, I know it's wrestling, so it's fake. Yeah. But how do you look into the eyes of someone like him, like Minoru Suzuki, and not fucking shit your pants? Like, he looks so scary. That's what I like, is that most of the matches, AJ trying to convince himself that he's not scared. Yeah. And I like how they flipped on its head as well, that you've got, you know, compared this to your standard American story, you've got your, you know, the grinding, physical, like, weathered-looking guy who, no, he's not a scary old bitter heel. He's a good guy face. And the handsome young man who's flipping around with all the flashy offense, he's the bad guy. And I love any time you've got um, a mix of styles. And you wouldn't think this would work at all. These two things, you'd think it would be some sort of a trade-off between one guy getting to flip and the other guy getting to slap the shit out of him. And yet they find a way. AJ being thrown into the crowd and like literally jumping over things and diving around. And the women who scream when they see Minoru Suzuki. I I want more high-pitched screaming in wrestling. This is why we need, like, just generally more diversity in wrestling audiences. Because, like, obviously I think it's great having the... I'm going to start screaming high-pitched, I think. It's so good. Like, that's what I always try and do at wrestling shows is contribute my high-pitched voice to the cacophony of sounds. Yeah. Because I think all the different sounds, the better. AJ's arm gets worked by Minoru Suzuki, who works a variety of horrifying arm bars and... It, it very much that there's joint manipulation and then there's manipulating the fingers to a point where there's no way you can convince me it's close to falling off there was some very very harrowing maneuvers done in this match yeah suzuki tries to break aj's finger 
and it's gross. There's a lot of thumb offensive maneuvers yeah. in this match. Lots of working the thumb. Yeah, and they kind of, I think, is that because they're trying to get into it being a strike battle? Like he's trying to stop AJ being able to strike with him so oh, then he can just slap the really? shit out. There's this really great moment and I love, it's one of AJ's most fucking fabulous moves that he does where he does this combination of different we talked about in Tajiri when someone does like a big kind of flurry of strikes yeah. I don't think AJ does it but he does like spinning back fists and all these like, you know, cool kicks that he's obviously AJ's obviously someone who's been influenced a lot more by wrestling video games than wrestling oh that makes so much sense you know because I'm telling you when we were playing No Mercy we, yeah. we did an episode of video games way back when I was telling you like I knew all these moves I would never see like Northern Light suplexes and you know forearm strikes I would never see in WWE it's because the games were developed in Japan you'd see the moves and there's AJ with his Yushi Jiroshi and his Air Raid Siren and Code Red you know he's very 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 much showing you the moves that you're seeing in other parts of the world not necessarily you know at home in the US and he's a big nerd gamer boy oh Joe I have to tell you the most upset AJ was in the shoot interviews that I saw at any point he was burying Hogan he was burying Bischoff but let me tell you, the 2008 TNA Impact video game, that is the thing that annoys AJ Styles the most. He's like, hey man, I might go to WWE and work on one of their games because, you know, it's pretty cool stuff, man. You know, their games are great. Not like our game, which sucked. And I spent, I was there, I was a consultant. Me and Joe worked on it. We gave them notes. We fed back. The development process was stunted. It was wrong. It wasn't fun to play. It wasn't fun to watch. And he is, he actually worked. It was some other wrestling video game that came out. He worked as a, an uncredited consultant on wow. it. Him and Omega. Big yeah. wrestling video game nerds, for sure. We did get a few tweets, actually, about AJ's various tantrums. Oh, um, and up, up, down, down. Up, up, down, down. Apparently, he's broken more than one controller in his time on there. Well, like, we, we made a joke <laughs> on a video way back that Adam did, you know, about him. Like, oh, the only reason I lost to you on Mario Kart, man, is because I was using the left Joy-Con. Well, that <laughs> stick was too close to my thumb, man. He's a sore loser, which is really funny. Given. AJ sells everyone's big brother like. but like I wouldn't say he's a sore loser when it comes to wrestling like he's fine putting people over because it's not because I, I think he realises it's not a fucking contest yeah he, he is quite like he's quite ego free in the sense that I don't think I've seen AJ like kind of try and sabotage anyone's career even when no. he's been in positions of power he doesn't mind to be booked when he loses he doesn't care who he really loses against as long as someone comes out looking good yeah. that's it yeah He's enthusiastic about wrestling looking well. Looking good, yeah. And I think when he, even like in the most critical TNA, you know, the most critical he was of TNA, it was, wasn't like, I'm angry and I hate them, those fuckers, they fuck the company, fuck Hogan, fuck Bischoff. It's more like, I'm just sad and disappointed because these people want to make it better and they're making it worse. I want the company to do well. And it's really frustrating because I've been trying to do it for 10 years to Mm. make this company better than it is. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think he's got quite a mature attitude to the wrestling business and he's no reason to be no. in fairness if you worked with the shit Russo, Hogan, Bischoff like seriously <laughs> like alright you know, he's, he's a fairly decent view of things because you know in 2014 he was offered another contract by WWE wow but it was a developmental deal to go to NXT oh my god can you imagine and you know Balor Finn Balor he took that deal and he said yeah I'll go I'll do NXT fine but AJ was like no I've got five years probably left in my career I'm not yeah. going to waste them in no. NXT absolutely both of them I think made the right call 
Yeah, for sure, Z. AJ Styles, another reason why the, the fingers might be worked on is because as leader of the Bullet Club, he's doing lots of gun gestures. Ah, yeah, he can't do the gun gesture. And, and I like, works. yeah, when he points it at his head and then he breaks the gun and he's like, yeah, my <laughs> gun, my precious gun. <laughs> we get the phenomenal forearm caught in midair into a fucking arm bar. And another reminder that AJ Styles is an absurdly strong individual. He manages to pick up Minoru Suzuki from the ground for Styles Clash. The man is made out of several deli counters of cold meat. Mm. How the fuck did he do that? I had no idea. With one arm as well, he does the sales clash to sell the, the, her arm. Amazing. That's so fucking... And <laughs> I loved the selling of the strikes. There was a pit where they were doing another strike exchange and Minora like jabbed him. Did you see this? What AJ did? I don't think so. It's when he went like... And he kind of like crumbled into a pile of potatoes and right. then slowly fell over. To, it was so funny. It was <laughs> absolutely hilarious. We get another Pele kick and the Styles Clash. AJ wins a match which surprisingly saw interference in it. But I guess that was point of the Bullet Club. This was a crazy clash of styles and certainly makes me want to see Suzuki on this podcast again mm. very, very soon. And certainly very different to what you would see from your usual diet of, of AJ. What did you think of this one, Joe? I really enjoyed this match. I mean, I don't know if I'd necessarily pick it as like a perfect match to show someone who wants to see more AJ because I feel this is more of a... If you're familiar with them. Yeah, yeah. it's more of an advanced match. So I gave it three stars out of five. I don't know mm-hmm. if I'd necessarily watch it again, at least not until I'm more familiar with AJ Styles' like, move set. Yeah, yeah. Because he does, kind of, as you said, he does a couple of variations on his classic moves, which kind of went over my head. Yeah, yeah. I didn't really understand why they're impressive. So, yeah, I mean, it was it was good. I love Minoru Suzuki. I'm, Definitely uh, want to see more of him. You don't have to say you don't understand why something's impressive. Like, if it's not impressive to you, it's not impressive but to I you. But I don't want to say that means it's not impressive. I always want to be clear that, you know, it's, this is just my I don't, opinion. I'm a baby. Like, if I don't think it's like, no, I know you're not, but some <laughs> listeners are. And, you know, sometimes if I say, oh, this thing isn't impressive, they'll mm. go, well, it is to me. And it's like, well, obviously it is to you. I'm not saying it's not impressive to yeah, you. Yeah. I'm saying it's not impressive to me. <laughs> but I can't speak on behalf of everyone. Well, I, I, I'm glad that you uh, you took the time to ex- explain that. All that. <laughs> yeah. I think this was an interesting one, seeing that AJ was, again, doing something a little bit different. And, of course, if you want to see what you're seeing in wrestling now, uh, go back a few years and see New Japan Pro Wrestling instead. Because joint manipulation, which was certainly a novel thing in 2014, I'm sure it feels like, is by no means uh, the same thing these days. When AJ signed with WWE, I'm trying to cast my mind back because I remember early on the podcast, a great difficulty I had was trying to reconcile WWE's like half-hearted, here's someone new or here's someone from the past. I remember Sting coming in. I remember the NWO coming in. I remember a lot of like big people coming back in and it was meant to be a big deal. And it was like, huh? Mm. So when AJ came out as a big surprise in the Rumble in, in 2016, was that like something that you were anticipating or like was there much buzz, if you recall at the time? If I remember correctly, there was a bit of buzz. Mm. It wasn't like when we had Shane or Daniel Bryan back and it was like a big surprise. Like, I'm pretty sure I remember you telling me, oh, there's this guy, AJ Styles. You might remember watching a match of his. Yeah. He might be coming back. There was rumours that, I think WWE actually said, we have signed a number of people from New Japan. Because yeah. that's when Nakamura came Yeah, it was well. around this big surge of like new, I say new, like veteran yeah. talent from other companies. Many of, some of whom had been in the company before. Yeah. <laughs> Interestingly, 
the big turning point in the contract negotiations for them at the time because he was still negotiating with TNA to go back with them as they were really hoping he would and that they brought in Gallows and Anderson that was like part of the negotiation he's like I will sign if you sign these two as well wow and that is quite interesting because obviously there's camaraderie in wrestling Mm. I'm sure we talked about it a lot but AJ there's a few people in his life in his kind of inner circle Gallows and Anderson are part of them where, like, that was a deal-breaker for him, getting in back to the company. Yeah. And he had a, an emotional moment on his live stream recently where he blamed himself for them being fired, thinking that it was a, a failing on him that he hadn't shown the company the value that he could so Aww, easily see in them. that's sweet. It is, it is sweet. And I kind of, like, sticking with your friends is not the easiest thing to do in WWE. No, they really make it hard. <laughs> How has AJ gotten on in WWE? Compared to, like, what you've seen from him in these other companies and knowing a bit more about, like... The majority of his career being in other places. I think he's done exceptionally well, but I think he's really had a lot of help from WWE. They, I think they've done a really bad job of understanding and educating fans on why certain wrestlers are perceived as good as they are. Like Shinsuke, yeah. for example, like I feel he, once he was signed to, like, obviously signed to NXT, he had some fantastic matches, but on the main show, it kind of petered out a little went bit. went a little bit, yeah. It just didn't really do anything, mm. and I think he was uninspired, and I don't blame him. So you think the presentation of AJ is, like, showing you why he's special, as opposed to... Because, I mean, you mentioned earlier a match we watched this morning, and we, we reviewed it, and it's one that you said to me was your fave ever. It is, yeah. Where he beat John Cena clean mm. at SummerSlam. Yeah. And I think that's a case of showing and not telling that someone is special. Exactly. They've put him in a lot of matches with a lot of people who I really enjoy the matches of. Like, he's mm. fought Kevin Owens before, and Roman Reigns, and Brock you know, Lesnar, and all Interestingly, sorts of though, mm. uh, I think AJ... As great as he's gone on in WWE, and I think you could look at the list of like the essential... Like I had a bit of a difficult time in some respects compiling a match list for this because I didn't want to do stuff that we'd already covered for the pay-per-view reviews. And I feel like we had, we've had we spoken ad nauseum about a lot of his, his run in WWE on the different brands and whatnot. And I think it was, it was hard because you know, obviously a lot of those matches were, were, were kind of something that we'd covered and all that. But I think as good as they were with the presentation of AJ... They've almost gotten a little bit too lax with the presentation of AJ, where it's like, it's AJ Styles, man. It's going to be... And like, Heyman, who was running Raw for a year or so, he was quite guilty of that, where it's like, it's AJ Styles versus Ricochet. I mean, pff, come on, it's obviously going to be great. And I was like, but it's not. It's not yeah. great. Or remember AJ and Nakamura. Yeah, that was the... The, the dream match, yeah, man. That was like... But... And again, I don't blame AJ for that. I blame no. the WWE. And I don't blame Shinsuke either. I blame the WWE. Because... I don't think WWE realise he has some shortcomings. He's yeah. Not, he's not like fucking, he's not the second coming of God that like he can make a great match happen with anyone. Like, you know. But like, I think under different circumstances, him and Nakamura would have had like a fantastic match. Yeah. I think just WWE on, I can't remember what, was it Raw? WrestleMania. It was WrestleMania. It was WrestleMania. It was for the title. Nak won the, uh, the Rumble, if I recall as well. And they were like, dream match, dream match, dream match. It's going to be a dream match. And the best thing about it was him giving him a big willy shot at the end. Yeah. And then him doing it over and over and over yeah. for the next few months. I just, I don't remember there being much like impressive maneuvers in that. It's because I don't think matches. Shinsuke could do what he could once. To, like AJ has managed in a way that some of his contemporaries haven't to still wrestle exactly the same as before. Like if you look at Christopher Daniels in AEW, I love him to bits, but the man is essentially bow-legged. He is 
very much feeling the effects of the career. Mm. You know, there's a lot of wrestlers who you can see have had to change. Nakamura, you can definitely say he's feeling the effects of, yes, of strong style. But I don't think it's... I don't blame Nakamura. I don't think it's his fault that the match wasn't good. I don't think yeah. it's him not being no. good enough. I think I it was think... a case of hype, though. I think AJ is... AJ's an easy target for hype because AJ has such great matches. You can go, AJ Styles versus... Because you, know, you mentioned Kevin Owens and they have had some good matches. But I remember they had one or two clunkers as they well. They did, yeah. But this is, again, it. I blame the WWE. Yeah. And I'm just quite confident that there'll be someone backstage who I'm probably not aware of, Bruce Pritchard or someone, whose job it is is to go, eh, make that less good, please. Yeah, because I think... Because there's Randy Orton on the main event and they have to have a really amazing match. If we were going to see AJ Styles versus Ricochet literally anywhere in the world... I would have been guaranteed it would have been not just a great match, but something special to remember forever. Mm. And I'm fighting very hard for my memory to even cash in the short-term memory column yeah, from last forgotten. year. It's like, yeah. no, no, you will not remember that match because yeah. it sucked and it was bad and disappointing. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that is... It's not been all hits necessarily. Yeah, I think maybe what it is, and again, I don't know what I'm talking about here, so maybe I'm totally wrong, but I feel like WWE as a company is not prepared to book... The really, really technically skilled flip-de-doo matches that companies like TNA or Ring of Honor or New Japan have like... AEW, I guess. AEW have like more confidence booking. Like, as we were saying, WWE is sports entertainment style. Mm. That's not flip-de-doo necessarily. That's why Backlash we didn't get AJ Styles, but on SmackDown we got AJ Styles versus Daniel Bryan. Yeah. For some reason. (laughs) They don't really understand the value in these different styles. Yeah. No, I think that's fair. I mean... If you look as well, like at some of the matches that he had, even in 2016 alone, him and Jericho, that was amazing. Him and Sami Zayn, they had an incredible match. He had those matches with John Cena, multiple matches with Roman Reigns. He had the feud with Dean Ambrose as well. He was champion for a thereabouts a year on uh, on SmackDown. He had fucking fabulous matches. So like, what surprised me most about AJ is I remember the first month or two, they were like, he's the rookie redneck, or he's the pit bull terrier. I'm like, oh Jesus, they won't get him. But it felt very quickly thereafter that they got him I think Chris Jericho was probably quite instrumental in helping them because he was the first feud actually understand but like he's someone as well now where AJ is being viewed by many people as like he's the guy you want to have your match with now He's, he's like Undertaker for instance the most recent Wrestlemania the Boneyard match with AJ Styles even though AJ did fuck all in terms of like what you know AJ Styles were there weren't very many flips for all that there were lots of punches and sound effects Well, like you have people now like saying, I've heard like Rick Fader today. I was like, Undertaker has to have another match with AJ because he was it was so good. He's the only person. He's the only person he can have a match with. Like, and there's all these like, people thinking like, if if Legends are gonna have one more match, like Edge has to have his match with, with AJ because AJ's he's, he's the guy. Is AJ in your minds as someone who's watching TV the the wrestler like the top wrestler in the world? Because many people will say that AJ Styles is bar none the best wrestler in the world in 2020. I don't know maybe yeah <laughs> i think i think there's an awful lot of pressure to put someone as like oh everyone has to have their last match with aj because like yeah. i would have said that but then he had those terrible matches with shinsuke and ricochet yeah and like i don't think that was anyone's fault other than like the booking of the match like i feel they were told probably not to do certain things and maybe the boneyard match was just all very good maybe 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 or it's brilliant, it's the best thing ever. Whatever you want to think, you know? It's, it's all right, all opinions are valid. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I thought the Bone Yard match was fun. And I think the reason people liked it so much is because it didn't have much wrestling. Yeah, and it was quite silly. Like, yeah, The Undertaker yeah. can't really wrestle and he's very silly. So it worked well for his particular character. Do you 
think that like AJ should finish up in WWE or do you think he should like head out head out to the wild blue yonder? There was a few mentions of of what it would be like to see him in like other wrestling companies and whatnot. Let's just say I think he should do whatever he feels would be most fulfilling to him. Mm. I don't. I can't say whether or not I think he should stay in WWE or go elsewhere because like he's his family is so important to him. So it's going to be whatever helps them feel most settled i guess like i don't yeah. see him moving to japan i think the gist i've gotten from it is that he signed another contract with wwe quite recently there's like i think four years or so thereabouts to go mm. and i would imagine he'll wind down and either be the showcase attraction where you'll see him once or twice a year although i mean that's the thing with i always like like the idea of like, oh, the showcase attraction you're know, like triple h or goldberg or whoever. but the thing is have we ever had a showcase attraction person who only comes out once or twice a year and their style is flippy do crazy phenomenal it's not it's always some old slugger or yeah. some old ham who has to be <laughs> sprayed with febreze and brought out and smashed into a locker a few times yeah. in the kingdom of saudi arabia like, i don't know i'm not sure if i if aj will be the you know once or twice a year guy he'll either be doing it full time or he won't be doing it all i i think he will be like and that's me folks and you'll never hear from him again i don't think that's gonna yeah. happen i think he's at this point too much of a wrestling fan i think he will because he's mm. he wants to as you were saying earlier in this episode he likes having his fingers in all the pies yeah, he, he likes to teach obviously. he loves to teach he loves to train he loves to be involved in storylines he has opinions on things and okay he may not be like a lifelong wrestling fan but maybe that's in a way to work to his advantage because he can have a bit of a refreshing attitude to some of the angles sure there's there's no way he can't teach like uh, at an incredibly high yeah. level because he's someone who naturally was able to do so many things that I think he can teach but also even with like I'd have AJ Styles in promo class being like what do you think it was like being the TNA world champion I'd be able to cut a fucking promo yeah. it sucks like and I have to get good at it here's how but here's the question then I was going to ask you like can you like good conscience foresee a future where you have AJ Styles you know being the cuddly performance center coach no. knowing that but he's not, got some issues they're not cuddly though are they performance center coaches are they I don't know it feels like everyone's leaving the fucking AJ Styles in the dust I hear that fucking Shawn Michaels is calling out people for not understanding embedded institutional <laughs> racism and stuff like that you know it's just like do you I don't know if I see AJ Styles fitting into the corporate structure is probably a better way of saying it. Maybe calling them cuddliest and well, but at least WWE, you have to say, are at least aware at the mm. corporate level that their employees can't be seen to be saying certain things or should be seen to be saying other things. And yet they get away with saying an awful lot. Yeah, they do. So I feel like as long as he's AJ Styles, he'll probably get away with it. And I just hope, I hope, I hope, I hope that like Shawn Michaels and like Randy Orton, he is surrounded by so many people who want to help him improve and the fact that like obviously on some level he wants to improve like his attitude to wrestling if he could just apply that to other areas of his life he's, he's, i can see your your frustration with him is uh, yeah, palpable i really want him to be a nice good person i like, want to have a i want to have a holistic whole aj yeah. styles fandom i hate I've got 20 asterisks. Yeah, I have to you know? distance myself <laughs> from him. And I, it's... I've never described myself as being like, oh, he's one of my like, he's one of my faves or one of my fans. Yet, going through that Samoa Joe AJ Styles mm -hmm. match was like, wow, this guy is so important. He He's one of the reasons I got into so much of the other wrestling. No AJ Styles matches went those years. No podcasts. Yeah. Like, that's it. Like, yeah. you know, and you can blame him if you want. That's another asterisk some of you at home can have for your AJ Styles fandom. I, yeah. I just think if there's hope for Randy Orton, there's hope for anyone. I just, I really, and I, I, I know it took him 15 years yeah. of fucking being educated, but just. My, mm. my worry though, is that my, my main issue with, with, 
with AJ, a lot of the stuff is kind of the main thing is the homophobia. And I think there's definitely issues of race as well. He's been caught saying the N word on, on oh, tape. Oh, has he? Oh, yeah. When I, earlier when I was talking about him being on Talking Shop, uh, yeah. he, he didn't say the N word. Uh, it oh, was forcibly turned into that, if you, if you know what I'm saying. AJ Styles, you know, he obviously has issues with race. I think that, you know, I, I don't think you can be wondering if Obama is American or not. Like some of those old spin cycle episodes of TNA folks, they have an age particularly well, and they're all still up there. Mm. And I think that as a result of that, you look at Randy Orton and you think he's been surrounded by intelligent, thoughtful and well-meaning black men and women for probably a dozen years at least. And people who've experienced it from every level, like people like Booker T who've been in the company longer than he has, people like Xavier and Big E who've been, you know, younger than him. Like he, he multi-generational mm. help is offered there and these people understand and and your colleagues would be more than happy to help you out there. And he has attributed that, Randy Orton. Yeah. He said, it's the last 10 years I've slowly learned and it, it must have been very difficult for them to teach me, but I've learned from my black brothers and sisters. Mm. I think WWE, for AJ though, is a bit of a different situation. Maybe us hoping that he will learn in the same way by attrition almost. Mm. Like, I don't know how many out people there are in WWE. I'm aware obviously of Sonya Deville and... Daniel, Darren Young is due to be affiliated but like it's it's a company that has historically very struggled with inclusion yes. of, of, uh, and I don't know if there is that similar environment where AJ could as easily learn let's just say it might be a bit more on, on AJ I'm not sure how many of his colleagues are there to help him in that respect it's a very I, straight company uh, maybe I'm very naive uh, yes I would say the company does seem very straight but we don't know how many closeted queer people there are in the company who just don't mm. feel safe at the moment to come out but i don't think it's necessarily on gay people in to educate way, it's on him. black people's job yeah, yeah. exactly and th- i think it's actually probably too harmful for them to lay it upon themselves to do that job mm. but i think like generally i think the culture is a lot more educational a lot more positive and um, helpful. Finding, finding it that Braun Strowman, he said all that shitty stuff about like player Uno, yeah. where he's like, if you're if you're asking for a handout, you should get these hands. You know, he was he was a total fucking dumbass about it, and he was apparently taken aside by like Sami Zayn, like, hi, I understand like fucking society. Do you yeah. want to have a chat? Like, <laughs> I think historically wrestling has been a lot more stubborn about its issues and been like, mm-hmm. what? No, fuck off. Whereas now, if you're getting people like Randy Orton and Shawn Michaels, What's who the are the yeah. most stubborn people in the industry, who are the most embedded like randy orton literally his father was like one of the fucking right wing wrestling guys right well all i'll say is the history of the orton family is you know wrestling in missouri which right you know i don't need to tell you that there's probably some checkered history there at yeah. the very least to say with regards to race relations if that can happen then surely there is hope because even if there's not that many gay people or lgbt people to help educate AJ Styles I just think the culture these days is not as accepting of homophobia like I think I I don't know this to be true I hope it's true but like when Rhea Ripley used the F slur in that live stream she was called out and she apologised and I think there is more of a culture now of people calling people out and going, look, that's not okay. It really hurts people. Like, on and a I deep find level. myself much more fine with Rhea Ripley now than I was, you know, six months ago yeah. when I first heard about it, you know. And it may be that AJ it's Styles... It's a process, you know? Maybe he's, he's 
teaching himself now. I, and again, I don't know. Maybe he's currently educating himself and that's why he's shut the fuck up because he actually needs to spend some time learning for himself what or, is going on. Or maybe he's trying to hide his personal hateful views. We don't know because he's not talking about it. You, you gotta start somewhere though. And the question as to whether or not you've started, I mean, you know, he was someone who's being called out by CM Punk for his silence during Black Lives Matter protests. You know, everyone had something to say, but AJ Styles, mm. you know, you, you can drop a thought or two on it, AJ, yeah. at least, you know. So... Will we be waiting naively for years to come? Probably. Can you reconcile the... I mean, as someone who routinely reviews wrestling involving someone who murdered his family, Mm. I I think it'd be hypocritical to say I can't watch AJ Styles, but there is something that's always held me back from my adulation of AJ, and I think we may have uh, circled the wagons around a little bit here today. Let's get into your tweets and your Facebook posts. And we're back. So, little peek behind the curtains here. We sometimes take a little break between the first bit and the second bit. And the little break this time ended up having the speaking out movement, huge allegations coming out into the world of wrestling, some long due changes that seem like they may be underway, and a lot of victims coming forward and thankfully being listened to. And, you know, usually we don't, it's been like a week and a half since we've recorded this. Usually, it's kind of a day or a layer on that afternoon. And in the time that's come since, Joe, you've been editing the episode. I've been listening to some of the parts you've been editing. It kind of feels like that ended that first bit on a... I was so hopeful. It is patently naive, it feels like. Yeah, it's funny that, like, it feels so dated now, what we were saying. Yeah. Like, I feel... Never in the fact that I mentioned that AJ uh, streams on Mixer, which uh, literally as well is out by the wayside. So. <laughs> but whatever, you know, th- this is trying times that we're in and all. Yeah, it's just, we recorded that bit, you know, as we said before, before all this speaking out movement has happened. Also before it was revealed that like, there's like maybe 25 cases of COVID potentially in the WWE. And we, we had just seen the wrestling community react to the civil unrest, the protests that was sparked by the George Floyd murder and Breonna Taylor and what's happened since. And I, we, we think we were not to say like blown away, but just a little bit happy to see some of the wrestlers speaking out who we thought previously wouldn't have speaking, yeah. sp- spoken out. And, I think we use that point to dwell on like, well, AJ didn't speak out then. So kind of, well, is he ever going to? And we were kind of hopeful that maybe if Randy Orton could do it or Shawn Michaels could do it, then AJ could as well. But yeah, I've, I, when I was editing this then, especially that last bit, I feel so weird even like this is, we've never done this before. No. But like I was editing, I was like, oh, I don't know if I agree with myself anymore. Mm. And I don't know if it's responsible for me to just keep that in. But I also don't know if it's responsible for me to just edit it out because that's not truthful as to what my opinion was and how it's changed. So I thought best thing we could do is actually just show you folks at home that we've listened to our own opinions in the week (laughs) since we recorded it. And we are we've changed our opinions. We've we've looked at what's happening And we just thought we couldn't end where we did. Like, I felt so naive and also partially responsible because I know historically in this podcast, I have been a huge celebrator of the fact that, oh, these days wrestling is so much more wholesome and Mm. pure and like wrestlers are so much more nice. A lot of comparison of this generation to that generation. And now it comes out that actually we have the same problems, maybe worse. We don't know. The point is, is that we have the same problems that we had, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. Yeah. And I think we like to 
maybe convince ourselves that we see wrestlers and you know the wwe is the prime example and we see wrestlers when you know i've read stories and i've read books you know we talked about brett we talked about foley all these people who were in this company when the lifestyle was different mm. and it was more drinking and partying but mostly it's that kind of the loading crushingness of being on the road and that being the kind of the cycle to numb it almost that so many top stars went through and i think we kind of see things like hey they're playing video games and like hey they're kind of you know there's some people who don't drink and there's some people who just kind of aren't into that lifestyle they've got friends who are women or black but like you know all the while we're kind of looking at a glossy thing you're seeing in wwe and like literally on our doorstep here in the uk there was stuff happening that they would make you look at the lifestyle of the late 90s in the WWF and go, well, at least they're fucking on, on the road on their own traveling around. There's a big fucking den of predators colluding yeah. with each other. And I will say less so than a lot of podcasts, mainly because solely from the focus of this show and where we've decided to, to look into and whatnot, we've not spent a long time dwelling on, on, on Brit Res or the British wrestling scene. I think we have certainly had to think of some of the episodes we've done in the past and a lot of the episodes that are coming up in the future and i think that it just you're right to say i don't think the wrestling industry had maybe gotten to a place where we really hoped it was i, I just felt like it was not cool <laughs> that's a very tame way of saying it not ethical for us to release this episode mm. finishing on the point it's like well aj styles maybe a good guy we just don't know because like actually it's not enough to not know. You have to prove it. You have to take action. You have to show everyone yeah, every and, single day. I think it's very worth bearing in mind here. We're not accusing AJ Styles of like assault or anything no, like no, that. No, 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 no. There's a, a whole swath of things that come out at, at the moment. And it ra- ranges from serialized assaults to casual climate where things like rape jokes and slurs and things like that are, are, are accepted. And I think it's just wrong for us to assume that silence on the matter and an assumption that it's all okay and someone's changed their mind and all that i just don't think that's that's not going to cut it in this climate anymore yeah and just hearing myself back talking about how like oh but you know things have changed now and everyone's so much better and more educational and the environment's just more more wholesome it's like actually i don't know that and i know i said that at the time that i didn't know that but i I really don't know that, and that's never been more evident than this week. There are cases now in in British wrestling, and this is just to kind of, and I think AJ is just, unfortunately, he's the topic of the episode. Yeah. And I think when you're looking at at the moment in 2020 with where this is happening, you know, Sammy Guevara making his casual kind of rape joke, you know, which which some people have just labelled as being like, ah, well, that's just kind of immaturity and whatnot. But I think it speaks to this kind of, culture of this crass culture this boys club that's Mm. kind of developed and i think aj is just as he's the topic it just kind of he's a we couldn't help but see this through the lens of how we were analyzing some of the supposed issues that that aj had yeah because even if they're not necessarily equivalent it's all related it's all part of a larger toxic issue of not just the industry but our society yeah i was expecting with aj a lot more like that i would see people who are kind of like look here's why I can't watch him or here's why I have difficulty or anything like that. It's interesting you say that because I think there's probably a very careful reason for that. And I think that is, I don't know if it's WWE or AJ Styles or both, but he doesn't, as we were saying, he doesn't talk about this stuff anymore. And it's very easy to forget people have said things or brush it under the rug or just kind of ignore it. If you know, it's, it's not talked about often. And the fact that he is like deliberately keeping quiet, 
I know I said earlier in this episode that, that could mean he's learning. It actually could mean something much more deceitful, which yeah. is that he's being very careful to deliberately not talk about his hateful views because he knows he would be cancelled and yeah. rightfully so. It's it's almost he feels like we were trying to put him into a separate category from Lesnar earlier, and it kind of feels like well, it feels like they're just two high profile, well protected guys yeah. who have kind of pretty much all the power in terms of how much of themselves they want the world to see and they can kind of step away from that. And don't ask, don't tell. Is that really what we mm. want it to be in 2020 with wrestling? Yeah, with is that really good enough? Is no, it good it's enough? <laughs> and it's not, it's not. We and need I to was... hold each other and ourselves to a higher standard than that. It, it really, it really does. And I kind of feel like it goes beyond just wanting to put a good foot forward and wanting to present wrestling in a positive light because... I don't want it to be the case where this can go on anymore, mm. where it can be this unchallenged for this long. Because I look at the lists that are coming out, and I look at all of the, I look at all of the accusers and the accused, and it skews so young. It skews so young to the extent that, like, the majority of people where the accusations are coming forward, are in their mid twenties to their mid thirties. And like I look at the list and I see nothing from the 80s or the 90s mm-hmm. or the 70s when we knew it was bad. Mm-hmm. And we just convinced ourselves that it was better now. And it's not. Mm-hmm. It's worse. You know, it's, it actually seems in many ways that it's worse. Yeah, because I There's think... There's a whole generation of, of people who've probably been abused and high-profile abusers. And Lord knows I've probably said all sorts of fucking great things about them on podcasts. Yeah. But I kind of feel like, look, if we can go back in time and dredge up, like, I don't want to, we don't have to go through every fucking person who survived a trauma and dredge everything up. Yeah. But we have to say now we're drawing a line and we're not going to let it happen anymore. But how? But how? I don't know. I just feel like I'm upset and I'm like, I'm wound up about it and I feel like powerless, but like I have to try and do something. I do think it is worse now because there is something that's extra sickening about people using safety and safe spaces and protecting vulnerable people as a brand and not actually giving a shit about what that means well like fuck it absolutely fuck it because i keep thinking like hey you all know this thing about aj you know you know this thing about austin you know this about vince mcmahon like why would you you've not been watching wrestling for fucking 25 years or whatever it is like i have and even people who have we forget don't we because we don't talk about it enough we convince ourselves we go oh they had a good match or oh they were funny that one time or they're important yeah (laughs) you know and i just think yeah we need to hold ourselves to a to a higher higher standard you know and i think safe spaces can't be fucking just something to sell out a ballroom no that's really really gross buzzwords Fuck your, fuck your supposedly safe space. It's such a corporate branding thing as well, and it makes me really sick. Yeah, and it's up to the wrestling industry now to listen and to find out how it is that we can make something that can aspire to be a fucking safe space, because right now it's not that. And mm. I find myself here nearly 15 minutes into talking about this, and we thought, we'd just talk about it first. It just it feels like it's it, I'm very emotional, and this keeps coming out because... Like the last like week, I've just kind of, I'm almost, I don't want to say I'm numb to it, but I'm certainly shell shocked, mm. and I feel helpless and I feel overwhelmed, and it doesn't even affect me directly. No, I, I'm fucking nothing in this. <laughs> I'm not a victim at all. You know, we're you know it. I hope I hope for better days. I guess. Me too, but I don't think hoping is enough. No. 
Scurvy action. I, I am definitely hopeful, and I think... I've said this in other places, like our Backlash review, and, and I'll be talking about it a little bit in this month's Q&A. Mm. But I think it's a good thing now that this is coming out. This is absolutely necessary. Yeah. But I don't think we should get, you know, laissez-faire about this and relaxed and think, ah, we've we've come out the other side now. Step this is one. all over. This Barely. is going to keep happening over and over again. As long as people in positions of power are allowed to abuse those positions of power, that's mm. what we've got to change. We can't let them get away with it and it's not just a matter of like you know all oh, these individuals have done bad things we're going to stop them no mm. it's the infrastructure it's the whole issue it's society we have to go back to step nothing start mm. over from scratch and i don't really know how to do that but... well thank god as this has happened in the midst of a pandemic i know seriously i'm you so know, happy that it's happening now it's it's necessary and i think it's no coincidence that we're seeing it in so many places so many different industries and I, I know if you're probably listening to this right now your heart's probably breaking for 20 different things right now you know and if it is the things that are breaking your heart it's just that your favorite industries and your pastimes the things that bring you joy are going through these horrible times and i'm sure there's people who are their hearts are breaking for much bigger much more important reasons than that and i want to say like don't feel guilty for still loving wrestling you know because there are still people within that. The only people I feel who can actually bring change are, are within that business right now. Yeah. And there's some incredibly brave and strong people now, you know, victims and survivors of abuse who are working together and they're trying to to make something better out of it. So don't don't feel like I don't feel that the window is closed on wrestling. I mm. I think I I see work being done now in lockdown. You know, it's the hardest time to coordinate mm. things and people are, are, are working together and trying to get things done. But we can't let it slip. We can't let the standards slip. We need to establish what the new normal is going to be. for Because it's going to be a new normal with everything in the world. There certainly needs to be a new normal in wrestling as it pertains to wrestling shows as well, mm. you know. I mean, I, I by no means don't think this is like or definitive. This is everything we have to say on the matter. I don't know where it no. stands. And it's a bit random to be talking about it in an AJ style episode. But it just happens to be this is the episode that's coming out around it the is. time when this is all happening. And we wanted to make sure that we at least talked about it on some platform and which I know is available to everyone more people than normal will listen to an episode about aj styles mm. and i think more people than normal need to hear this that's all and as you were saying about like you know don't be you know don't feel ashamed about being a wrestling fan i think that's very important because you know we need to come out the other side of this and the only way we will and the only way we will make this industry a better place is by us trying to be the best fans we can be and trying to impact the industry the best way that we can mm. Like, I if think, we yeah. all just leave and go, well, fuck it, like, that doesn't achieve anything. Yeah. These problems will still continue. I mean, and they're going to continue regardless, but, like, we have to keep... We just have to accept that we have to keep fighting this battle. Exactly. If you've got a voice of any size, if you've got a podcast with a dozen listeners, it doesn't matter, use your voice. Hmm. If you have a community that are doing the right things right now, or you know, or you see the victims or the people who are trying to make positive change support them do whatever you can if you want to help if you want to stick it out and make it a better place don't just sit and hope it'll happen because i think the fans have the ultimate power here you vote with your feet you vote with your dollar you vote with whatever it is don't support the companies that aren't making an effort right now and and you're gonna have to constantly listen because it's a lot to keep up with at the moment yeah
it's tough right now if you're on Twitter or whatever it is, or you're on Facebook. There's a lot of very toxic groups, a lot of toxic discourse. All I'll ever say, just from my you know my experience, I'll, you know, a team friendship where mm. where we we post on Facebook, they're very much handling this, I think, uh, admirably, and I think it's a place where you can have a safe discussion about this. Yeah, and yeah. I want to point out as well just why it's a safe space because I genuinely team friendship. You know, it's it's not just about branding or anything. We don't even have a brand, but the way we actively try and make team friendship a safe space and i say we i mean i helped set up the group years and years ago but i'm not actually involved because i don't use facebook anymore but i very much trust the mods. team of fantastic mods there, they yeah. are absolutely incredible and we have structure and rules and guidelines in place content warnings there are certain issues that are not discussed so do you want to get into some tweets then or yeah let's do it okay <laughs> i mean oh god this feels really weird i think we will point out folks that the curation of the tweets has been rather difficult at this point because I don't think a lot of people wanted to have tweets read out that were making reference to companies and people that have now since, you know, had allegations come mm. out against them or have shut down or whatever. So, yeah. <laughs> First up from FT Yankee. Like Hogan and Warrior, I can't separate the opinions from the person. Except this time, it's even harder, because he's the best wrestler in the world, and <laughs> not a lumbering meat sack. Well put. The gay community thing, and using the homophobic F-word in promos, really sours me on his matches. Yeah, and I kind of feel... Like, it, it became a punchline in the early days of, kind of, you know, wrestling humour online and whatnot. I certainly played my role in that. And I think, yeah, that's, it's, for some, that's, that's like a, a warning signal, mm. if you know what I mean, like, as in, like, I, I've, I know some people who know that much about AJ, and that's like, okay, that's, that's enough of a giant red flag for mm-hmm. me, that, that's all, but I think, yeah, there's a lot of people who kind of think, oh, he just said something stupid, and whatever, you know, I think there probably is more to it, you know? Yeah, I think so, yeah, and I think it's also important to differentiate between, like, Making fun of him for saying something kind of dumb and making fun of him for saying something outright homophobic. Yeah, it's kind of like, are we making fun of the fact that AJ said is kind of dumb or that AJ's got some hate in his heart? I don't think that it was really calibrated the way that it was intended to come off. Next up from Get Kraken. I tried to write out my thoughts about AJ Styles. I'm now at a thousand words and it's no use to anybody. (laughs) The short version is that he's one of my top five favourite wrestlers in ring and a simple problematic man. But far from the most problematic because it is wrestling after all. Yeah, and I certainly don't know where I could stand on a leg kind of saying, you shouldn't support AJ Styles or, you know, your fandom is, is tainted or like, how dare you support AJ Styles? If we were to have a word cloud for the tweets of the Facebook posts, favourite and great or mm. greatest would probably be the three top that we've gotten. Yeah. And, you know, as someone who's one of his favourite wrestlers growing up was Stone Cold Steve Austin and certainly the kind of learning as I grew up more about him certainly certainly tapered my out-and-out hero worship Mm -hmm. and led me to view him as a deeply flawed individual with you saying to me on this podcast many times before in the past uh, in various ways I think the most succinctly you put it was hero worship is for fucking babies (laughs) and I think that is advice that could could certainly help and 
I don't think I'm going to begrudge anyone from enjoying AJ Styles' match or saying he's the greatest in-ring performer of all no, time. and I'd be lying if I said I didn't enjoy them. I yeah. do. I really like him as a professional wrestler. Like, athletically, I think he's very talented. I am struggling again to find, like, tweets that maybe I'm just, at this exact moment in time, comfortable with reading out, let's just say. It feels weird. Like, normally this is the part of the episode where we... Like, talk about how great people are and how much we love them as fans. Yeah, it just feels weird with everything that's happened this week to just move on to tweets that are all about how great AJ Styles is. Given that, you know, the tweets were sent in a month ago, potentially. It's not fair to to the fans. It's not fair to this podcast. It just seems weird to be like, and now let's talk about how great a wrestler AJ Styles is. We know he's a great wrestler, obviously, and we know he's a... We spent two and a half hours talking about how he was a great wrestler. And uh, yeah, we've certainly talked about his his issues and stuff as well to on my end anyway on facebook messages i don't think i've got anything uncomfortable you know chatting about right now i guess well i've got one final tweet that's really good okay so this is from diving meteora in about 2015 my now husband and i saw aj styles at a show in a middle school gym in marietta ohio he main evented with facade and at the end they had a bunch of cans surge and were spraying them all over the place we were very close to the ring and heard AJ quietly say, looks like I peed myself. <laughs> this was during his IWGP heavyweight title reign. <laughs> Amazing. Fantastic. Well, a lasting image to replace the one of AJ Styles wrestling and backlash with a hole in his tights, making it look like you could see his butt. Is it too late to change the artwork to make it look like he's peed himself? I don't know. Maybe for the revisited, we could do a little, uh, <laughs> little patchwork around there. If you are disappointed with how this episode has ended, I'm sorry. If it was not what you're expecting, I can only say it wasn't what we were expecting as well. I think we've got a duty to try and get a podcast out, but I also feel like just from your, your you made the right call, Joe. I think when you were editing the episode, just felt like we couldn't pretend that nothing had happened. Mm. And I'm sure we will revisit AJ. It's an almost definite, definite fact that we Inevitable. will have, have to revisit AJ because. If you are the biggest AJ Styles fans in, in the world and you wanted your tweet to be read or you wanted to have a proper discussion and a wrap-up on him here, I'm sorry that we have not been able to give that to you. It just doesn't feel right in the circumstances. We talked about it. We decided we'd do a version of it. We tried to. It felt very weird. <laughs> here we are. I'm kind of excited to announce the next episode, though, because I feel like it is going back far into the past that we can look at someone completely different and someone who I know very little about and I'm going to be doing some reading on and we'll need a lot of help from those of you who are listening to try and point me in the right direction. Our next episode, Joe, is about the legendary, the, the legendary woman, the only woman I know who's wrestled for nearly every single decade for which she was alive Whoa. up until the point that she was in her 80s. We're going to learn all about Mae Young. Wow. Mae Young, who was a mainstay in the Attitude Era and the old lady I probably saw on television the most growing up. But what we don't know about Mae Young, of most of us who grew up in the Attitude Era, is that she has a career dating back to the 1930s and is a pioneer of every sort. And I can't even begin to tell you how unknown the world of wrestling is. For her is back then because this is like going back to uso shows and stuff like that this is going to be a history lesson and a travel through time i don't know what we're going to find out i'm certainly really excited and you've been working with dan on the artwork and holy fuck it's very good 
Are you excited to learn about May? Do you know much about her already? I only know a few bits about May Young. I know she gave birth to a hand. <laughs> oh, well, there you go. That's that's the episode done and dusted. <laughs> I know she, in the Eric Bischoff episode, she put some sardines down her pants and jumped on his face. Yes, I remember that. I have heard that she may have been involved somehow with the fabulous Moolah. She is linked to Moolah in her in her later career for definite, yeah. Which was like really sad because I, I just knew all this cool stuff about Mae Young. I was like, yeah, she seems really great. And then I was like, oh no, she might actually have been like best friends with the fabulous Moolah, which means you almost definitely knew some of what was going on. And yeah, so I hope we're going to learn a bit more about that. And I think it's very interesting that we're learning about Mae Young now yeah. after this has happened. I kind of feel like it could in some respects provide uh, an insight into maybe how this is a larger issue in, yeah. in, in the, the mostly male world of wrestling and if it feels like it's mostly male in 2015 and 16 I can't even fucking imagine what it was like in the 30s and the 40s mm. so it's going to be a learning experience for sure I'm really excited to find out more if there are any articles or books or pieces of history interviews that you'd like to share with me and you know help me explain the story a little bit more in terms of matches i mean i'm sure we'll watch some of the, the segments and whatnot from the attitude era i can see us watching scores and scores of matches and reviewing them in a typical manner but i am very excited to see some like if there's early footage from way back i mean May wrestles before television was a thing. That's, That's a kind of a mad. thing to bear in mind. That's so mad, yeah. So, yeah, very excited to learn about who I understand to be legitimately one of the toughest people who ever existed in the world of wrestling. It's going to be How To May Young. Don't forget your tweets with all the recommendations, bits of history, stories, memories, and matches using the hashtag How To May Young. I hope when we reach you with our next episode that I am in a little bit more on stable footing. I can only apologize for uh, you who've had to edit this and, <laughs> and for you who've had to listen to me be all over the place here. Um, we're, I'm, I'm going to do some thinking. We're going to come back. We're going to, you know, I'd not to use the corny expression, like put some smiles on people's faces. Ugh. But I, I know that the podcast is, is a moment of respite for people. Hmm. And if it hasn't been that today, I'm sorry. But I hope we'll be able to provide you a little bit of solace in, in the weeks and the months to come. Mm -hmm. Well, until next time, stay safe. Lots of love from, from me and Joe. We love you. We hope that you're, you're doing well through all of this. And it's going to be a goodbye from me, Kevin. And a goodbye from me, Joe. And we'll see you next time on How To Wrestling. See ya.